The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome in, friends. How we doing? How you doing? Tone, hi. Chat, How you hi. Doing, my friend? Everybody streaming, everybody listening. Hi. Hope everybody's doing well out there. Uh, it's, uh, I'll tell you, I've had an interesting day today, Tone. Um, first of all, in the Philadelphia area, it's freezing today. Okay. It, it well, it's is, pretty, it's it pretty is, cold down here too, man. It's pretty cold down here too. Yeah, I think the, I think right now it is uh, eighteen degrees, eighteen right now. Ooh. So I'm, um, yeah, that's cold. That's cold, and it's very, 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 very icy outside. So if anybody uh, again is in the in the greater Philadelphia area, the Delaware Valley, if you haven't gone out yet today, and if you don't have to, don't just hang with us. Um, but if you are heading out, be careful because it's bad. The roads are bad. I saw several accidents in my travels today. Um, I was sitting in a lot of traffic due to it and hope everybody's okay, first of all. Um, but yeah, it's bad. I, in fact, I'm driving, I was driving up my street probably about approximately an hour ago. And I'm coming up my street and I see this older man taking out his recycling trash, right? And mm-hmm. he's coming down his driveway. And I see him start to lose his balance and slip, man. And the guy went down. So I I pull over. I got out. I helped him get up. I helped him put his recycling back in the you know the trash can. And he was all right, thankfully. It wasn't anything really major. But like, how old do you think he was? He was definitely like late sixties, maybe early seventies. 
Okay. Somewhere around right. there. But anyway, he's all right. He, he's okay. Thank God. So, but it's, he, I'm like. So when I, he fell, what, did he fall flat on his back? Was it more so? Coming like, down he, and he, I could see like, as forward? I'm, I, I knew he was starting to lose balance. That's like right when I passed him. And then I kept my eye on him and he went down, thankfully, like, like face, not face first, like upper body first, but he braced himself with his arms. So he right. landed on his arms uh, and he was okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So anyway, be, just be careful out there. And, and I know your area, you guys, it's, it's way colder than they're usually accustomed to there. Yeah. And all that yeah. stuff. So it's, hopefully, they're, um, it's funny down here. <clears throat> they can't, they don't know what to do when it gets cold, right? If it gets, <laughs> be, if it, if it gets below 20 degrees, they, they lose their minds down here. All right. So, um, they start sending out all these emails, you know, like they're like you know, the property management companies and the landlords, and they send out emails saying, "Hey, make sure you do this so your pipes don't freeze. Do this, do that." Mm. And I'm like, "Wow, I'm really not used to these. I'm <laughs> not used to this level of care, you know, from any kind of you know property manager and landlord, you know, because I'm from Philly, and you know, and we everything is reinforced to deal with that level of cold, right? And every now yeah. and again, you have moments where things do freeze. It happens, but for the most part, Philly is pretty well prepared." For most of the elements, right down here, man, twenty degrees or lower. Make sure you run your water just a little bit so it doesn't freeze in the pipes. Good make point. Sure, make sure, make sure you keep the cabinets open so the heat, uh, so the heat can get down there. I'm like, okay, all right, no, no worries. So, so for the past couple of days, me and the wife have been, you know, making sure, yeah, you know, major sinks in the house, and you know, but there's got to be a part of you that's like, dude, do you know where I'm from? Like, really? I'll, yo, I'll be all right, <laughs> bro. It's 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 so often I say to myself. I'm from Philly. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> but me being from Philly doesn't change the fact that my pipes can freeze. No, I get that, man. <laughs> Listen, you, and and trust me, you right. do not play around with with any kind of water or pipes. Mm -mm. Trust pipes, me, you don't want that problem. You don't. Mm. I've lived it. You don't want the problem. Okay. I'd much rather have electrical issues than water issues. You are correct, sir. The last thing you want is water issues. All right. Anyway, uh, so hope everybody's doing well. Uh, let me start with this. So the Eagles will be uh, clearing out their lockers today, having their exit interviews today. We may get something today. I don't know. We're going to have at 1130 Mike Sealski from the Inquirer. He's going to join us. Uh, he wrote some pretty, pretty heavy stuff about the Eagles defense. In fact, the gist of the story was the only person who can really contain Hassan Reddick is Matt Patricia. So you get, <laughs> you get the gist of what he, he wrote about yesterday. All right. So anyway, um, we'll talk to him at 1130, 1230, Jeff Kerr is down at the Care complex tone. So we will, we will check in with our guy, Jeff Kerr from CBS sports. And just, I, I want to do a lot of things with Jeff because he has some great numbers on the Eagles offense and, and some of the issues that they've had. But I, I also want just a vibe. I, I want a pulse of what's happening down there, what the thoughts are down there. So we're going to go right to the scene, uh, at 1230, but that's kind of where I want to start with you and everybody today. Um, you know, we know how raw it is the next day, you know, especially when you're coming off a Monday night game, we were on, you know, here's the question I have for you, Tony, do you feel any differently? Has your perspective changed? Could be good. Could be bad. Could be, you know, whatever. Has your perspective changed at all on the Eagle season and that loss at all with, 24 hours of perspective uh no not really because we came into the season with pretty high expectations this team's coming off of a super bowl loss and it wasn't like 
the Super Bowl loss proved that they didn't belong there. The Super Bowl loss was damning. It was a three-point loss. The quarterback fumbled. The head coach made some questionable decisions in key moments. Um, the defense couldn't get a stop at all in the second half. There were just so many things that went into that loss that we said to ourselves, man, we were so close. It, it, it was just so many intricate um, parts of that loss that stuck with us. So we saw we saw this team as a team that can definitely get back, a team that's going to compete, um, is going to be in the mix, right? And, of course, rosters change. Um, getting back to a Super Bowl, especially after you lose, is extremely difficult. Um, doesn't really happen that often. So there were a lot of things working against the Philadelphia Eagles at the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think we all knew that, but I think because of our fandom, we ignored the trends. We ignored history and felt like the Philadelphia Eagles can buck history and buck the trend. And, um, you know, our, our fearless leader at the quarterback position, I would be able to see us through any obstacle, through any uh, hailstorm. Yeah. But lo and behold, we realized that Jalen Hurts is human this season. And we realized that Jalen Hurts can't be the only one to lift you over the top, right? It takes everybody, but you're definitely not going to get where you got to go where your quarterback is turning the ball over tw um, 20 times in the season or 19, yep. however you want to split, however you want to split hairs, whatever, 20 turnovers. Um, you can't get anywhere when you're, when your head coach um, has his own limitations when it comes to game planning, uh, when it comes to um, getting guys prepared every day, when the message is, is, is going dry, you can't get to where you got to get to when you have no effort from your star players. You have no effort from your role players. You have no effort from your bench guys. Um, the second half of the season was a the entire thing was a tale of two seasons, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you really pay attention, if we're honest with ourselves, it seemed like the writing was on the wall for something, for something to kind of you know break the levy. But we ignored it because we were excited. They came off that Buffalo win, which was you know storybook. We just felt like this team was you know going against every single obstacle and still coming up um, on top. And then playoffs and you know those last several games you know Niners Cowboys Giants Cardinals Giants it it just showed you how bad this team really was internally and how they weren't from a foundational standpoint they weren't really as solid as we thought they were um the first sign of trouble this team kind of fell off a cliff and we realized or at least me in my humble opinion and I mean I may be on the island in this this team was front runners yeah, they were front runners from you know from top to bottom, and the moment they came across any real obstacle, any real challenge, yeah, um, they couldn't get the job done, and it exposed the deficiencies on the defensive side even more. It exposed the limitations of Nick Sirianni and uh, Jalen Hurts even more. Uh, you know the offensive line; they didn't have their greatest season. Um, still a good season because you got all pros and Pro Bowls across it, didn't? But still, um, there were just so many things working against the Philadelphia Eagles this year. And I feel like most of all, they were working against themselves. Um, I feel like they beat themselves more than anything this year. And uh, my opinion, my feelings have not changed. I'm going to continue to hold the team accountable, and they're still in, and they're still in a boiling pot for me. Um, I'm I'm very disappointed with how the way the season ended. I'm very disappointed with um, you know with the ride we've been on the past several weeks. Um, I expected more from this coaching staff. I expected way more from these players. And um, it's going to be a very long offseason, people. But I do believe there's a lot of work to be done. And today and the next few days are going to tell us a lot about where this team is going from a directional standpoint, from a leadership standpoint. Uh, first of all, very well said. Um, secondly, uh, I have I'm like you. 
I don't feel any better. Uh, I don't feel like I've changed. I, I feel as raw mm-hmm. and pissed off as I did yesterday. Um, just because this slowly unfolded in front of our eyes doesn't make it any easier. Um, I'm angry because I my expectation was this team gets back to and wins a Super Bowl because you came short of winning a Super Bowl last year, and the only thing acceptable this year was winning a Super Bowl. I'm 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 ticked off that I watched, and I'll start with the offense. I watched an offense continually look predictable, look unprepared, uh, look like they've never seen a blitz, and this is the goddamn NFL, and you've never seen a blitz before. Um, I watched a quarterback revert and regress um, under this coaching staff. I watched uh, on the other side of the ball, I watched them bring in a defensive coordinator that they clearly didn't believe in and then pull the rug out from under him after 14 games and go to a guy who made it worse. Uh, I saw a defensive line that underachieved in a massive way. I saw guys running into one another. I saw guys making business decisions. Um, I saw a defense that didn't have enough talent because they didn't properly allot enough money to the linebacker position or the safety position. I saw guys that they let walk play well elsewhere, uh, namely uh, TJ Edwards. And let's also throw Derek Barnett in there just for fun, even though he wasn't doing anything here. Why wasn't he doing anything here? Why couldn't you get more out of him? Why is Houston able to get something out of him? Yes, maybe he needed to change the scenery and it was a wake-up call. I don't know, but I know he played well for them and he didn't play well here for the Eagles. Mm -hmm. So I saw a lot of things that I don't like. And now I look at a team where I totally question everything about the coaching. I question if the quarterback can get back to where he was. I question a defense that needs two linebackers, two safeties, two or three corners, uh, you better hope Nolan Smith can play, or you need at least two edge rushers. You might lose Fletcher Cox. You're likely to lose Jason Kelsey, who's a, who was a first team all pro. So you're going to take a hit there. I don't care who steps in and I, and I Jurgens, I'm sure will be fine, but he's not going to be Jason Kelsey. So I see a lot of things that I don't like, and I'm just as angry now. And I'm not, I'm not losing that, that same energy that I had yesterday. It's not going anywhere. Uh, and I, I will be on them. Period. I'm not. I'm not letting up. Sorry, not happening. Well, here, well, here's the thing, Rob. I think it hurts even more because of everything you laid out. You have so many unknowns heading into the off season. Um, these past two years, you've been on borrowed time, right? Your superstar center has been teetering between retirement and playing. Still, um, your superstar D tackle on Fletcher Cox. You guys have been going back and forth about whether or not he's going to be back. And there were moments where we thought we lost him. You know, it's just that um, you this team, let's just call it what it is, right? They fooled us, Rob. Yeah. They fooled us. And I think that's the part that kills us the most as um, spectators of this team. They, 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 they fooled us. And, you know, I say to myself sometimes, there's so many talented people with pedigree and experience on this team. And yet the effort, the will, the desire, the fire was where it was when we watched them in that Buccaneers game, those Giants games, those Cardinals games, those Seahawks games, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to understand how a group that has Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, 
Darius Slay, Lane Johnson, Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, um, Landon Dickerson, Jordan Maylada. Um, I'm trying to figure out Kevin Byer. I'm trying to figure out how a group that has that many vested veterans, guys that have been around the block, guys that understand the game, guys that know, guys that know what it takes to prepare and to lock in for a matchup. I'm trying to understand how a group with this level of experience and pedigree can fall so far from an effort standpoint, from a production standpoint, just from a reliability or a stable standpoint. And Ray Lewis says something on the broadcast when he was with Peyton and Eli. Mm -hmm. And it was on the touchdown, I believe, that went to um, – I believe it was the touchdown yeah. that went to Trey Palmer, the 56-yard touchdown. I believe it was that one. Or maybe the David Moore. I don't know. Nonetheless. Yeah. Yep. He said, to me, that looks like a team that's playing for self. Yeah, individuals. He said they look like a bunch he of said individuals. They look like a there. bunch of individuals out there. Yeah. Right? You guys are supposed to contain him, put him in a cup. You know? Yep. The angle. He said tackling is all about angles. I'm seeing guys that are not working together to achieve the goal. And I'm trying to figure out, once again, a team that's been through the ringer like this, that has the level of experience and pedigree, how do you guys get to a point when you're playing for self? And then I have to ask, what's the culture in the building? How are you guys being communicated to from the coaches, right? You know, you know, some people say, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I've talked to Sills about this a couple of times, you know, his mindset is, look, you guys get paid. I don't need motivation from you. I don't need motivation from my coach. You pay me, you play me, I'm out there to deliver. I don't care what's going on. My I job agree. is to deliver. I agree and I completely that. agree with that sentiment. You yep. guys get paid multi-millions of dollars. Some of you guys are six-figure guys, seven-figure guys. Some of you guys are eight-figure guys. Some of y'all are nine-figure guys, Jalen Hurts. So why does it – what does it take for a coach to get you motivated? Well, <laughs> the direct deposit should motivate you enough. Mm -hmm. But clearly people and humans are not that simple, right? People in their everyday jobs, I'm pretty sure they get paid whatever they get paid. And maybe they make good money. But does that fully motivate them, right? Sometimes you need proper leadership to motivate you. The money is maybe just a byproduct of the role. But, you know, part of me says, yeah, you guys get paid millions of dollars. Why the hell should we have to motivate you? Another part of me says, you have a coach for a reason. So I, 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 I'm, I'm teetering between those two competing thoughts. I'm curious to know what you think. Okay, here's what I can't get away from, Tone. And I, I love the way you just laid everything out, by the way. But here's what I can't get away from. Any way I slice this on either side of the ball, and I again, I'll take special teams out of this because Michael Clay did a great job. They're horrifically coached. They're horrifically coached team on both sides of the ball. I don't think they're prepared well during the week. I don't think they have answers when a team does something that that maybe they didn't. First of all, even when they did expect, like, like Tampa Bay wasn't trying to fool you. They did exactly what you thought, and you still weren't ready for it. I can't imagine what goes on in the meetings. I can't imagine what's schemed up. I can't imagine any of this stuff. Like it, it, it's, it's beyond comprehension to me how poorly coached they are in both sides of the ball. It really is. Yeah. It, it, it's unbelievable. You know, later on, I, I came up with this game for us later on um, that we're going to play. It's called a uh, comeback or go home. It's a little experiment. All right. And I'm pretty sure you can kind of get the gist of, you know, where I'm going with it. 
Um, I'll explain it more later on. We could probably get, we could probably knock it out after our interviews with Sealski and Kerr. But uh, just think about it, right? Come back or go home. Who do you want to come back? Who do you want to just okay. skedaddle? You know I, what I mean? Look forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I haven't come up with a list of players, but we're going to go. We're going to go position by position. Yeah. Because I think because I think it's worth the conversation, right? Where did we go wrong from a culture standpoint? Where yeah. did we go wrong from a production standpoint? Who did we overvalue? Who did we undervalue? I love that. Um, Let's do that at twelve. We have to. We have to really get into this because I don't think I've ever seen a Philadelphia Eagles team this listless. That like this level of passion before. I've never seen it before. I've been watching the Philadelphia Eagles for a long time. I can't remember a moment where I've seen a team like this effort. I've seen lesser talented Eagles teams. I've seen Eagles teams, um, you know, with limitations. I've seen Eagles teams that have had the injury bug. I've seen all that. I haven't. I can't remember a Philadelphia Eagles team that completely checked out the way they did. I'm sure that's the shocking part to me. And I, and I will tell you, okay. So um, th- this leads into something else I wanted to discuss. Interesting. That's an interesting point by close. Yeah. Basically some, some dudes became fat cats, got paid and their, their work ethic isn't there, which, which leads me to this. Hmm. So Jason Kelsey on the new Heights podcast with his brother, Travis said, basically, Hey, look, despite what's being reported, I still haven't made up my mind. What, what I didn't want to do was make an emotional decision. As soon as the game ends, and, it, and it'd be something I regret. I'm paraphrasing what he said, but, but he said, I want to take some time and figure it out. Right. Okay. He, he, he got, he got to sit with himself, sit with the wife, sit with the kids. Right. You know, his parents probably, he, he's probably going to talk to Travis a bunch of times, like, like, like you're doing a podcast, obviously, but you know, it's, it's a big decision he's making. It, it is. And, and I think the, and I think that's, first of all, that's smart in anything you do in life. Don't try not to make emotional decisions not rash decisions at the time. It's it's easier said than done, but sometimes just take a, a pause, take a beat, and just calm down. But Rob, so I think that's smart. It's easier to it's, it's even harder to make that decision when you're still at the top of your you're craft. You're still a beast. Yeah. So you're but still but still at the top of your craft. How can it's so hard? I I can only imagine it's easier to make the decision when you clearly have lost a step. That man's clearly just based off everyone else, Pro Bowl, All Pro. He's still at the top of his craft. How yeah, can, how can well, we deny it? What really got me though, watching it, Tone, watching the clip. So at the end, he was discussing. You know, uh, some of the players said to him, "Hey, dude, I, you know, I feel bad for you. You had to go out like this or whatever." And he was like, "Man, don't feel bad for me. Uh, I, I gave it everything I had every minute I played the game." And then he started to get emotional at the end. You know, and, and he was he was tearing up and you could see it even it got Travis for a minute, whatever. But wh- why I bring that up? A, it just shows you how much the guy cares. But I'm thinking to myself. How hard it must be for a guy like Kelsey. To be giving everything he has at his age. And there are clearly younger cats on that team that aren't trying their hardest like that has got to piss him off beyond belief. And he Honestly. has to ask himself, and do I want to come back to this yeah. environment? Yeah, do I want to put my my body on the line again with some of these dudes? And, and my answer would be, honestly, if I'm Jason Kelsey and I've accomplished what he's accomplished, look, if you still have it in your heart, by all means, you can still do it physically. Nobody denies that. But I'm I'm probably thinking like, you know what, man, I'm good. Let me go. Let me go chill. Let me be able to lift my daughters up. You know. <laughs> 
where I or not, where I'm not dragging my my ankle around in the uh, you know the living room or whatever. Like I I just it, it would piss me off, man, if I'm him, like big time. Yeah, and he has he has a lot of reasons to not come back to the game. He has a lot of extracurriculars that are going well for him. Yep. Um, arguably the biggest sports podcast um, in the game. You know, ar- arguably the biggest sports, arguably the biggest player centric sports podcast, right? Yeah. Um, you know, that's you know, you know, that's player led. Uh this team, this Howie Roseman and, and Jeffrey Lurie, they're gonna have a tough sell because they know damn well they can't afford to lose him just yet. Yeah. They just can't. Yeah. Based off what we've seen this year, they can't mm-hmm. afford to lose that man yet. They're not ready to make that transition. As much as they think Cam Jurgens is ready, they're not ready to make that transition. And um, I'm not sure if Cam Jurgens is fully ready to make that transition. If I'm being honest, no. I, I so listen. We, it's a, it's an unknown. You're going to go from the creme de la creme to we to you just don't know, and that's a hard spot for anybody. Like I, feel and we like already have too many unknowns at this point, right? And I feel for anybody who has to take over for a legend, it's hard. It really is. It's hard to follow a future Hall of Famer. You know, that is what it is. Like, if the guy's retiring, it is what it is. There's nothing you can do. You have the succession plan in place. Kelsey was the one who scouted this guy and liked him. So I'm going to believe what he thinks and what the organization thinks, and that's fine. But the other thing you're losing, Tone, in addition to just a great football player, is you're losing an emotional leader, you know, on this team. So it's a... It's a big deal, man. It's a big deal. And again, he said he hasn't made up his mind yet. So you, you, you take Jason Kelsey at, at his word. I, I have no reason to, to doubt him. The guy's always been a straight shooter. So, uh, all right, let's get a timeout. And I, I'm, I, I'm really excited to talk to Mike Sealski and ask you his take on everything that's gone down with this team. Again, Jeff Kerr uh, a little bit later in the show as well, because it is a day where something could happen here, Tone. Mm-hmm. Something could happen today. So if we get any word of anything that's coming down, we'll pass that along also. That's Tone to Shields. I'm Rob Ellis. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Been going there since I was a kid. Family-owned since 1985. They have just the best variety and food that you could possibly get. 20 different styles of pizza. Slices to go. Specialized pizza, however you want it, they will make it. But you're not up for pizza? I get it. Fresh pasta, sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads. Bravo Pizza is also committed to the community. They have fundraisers for schools, for charities, for little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. You can follow them at the Bravo Pizza of on Instagram and Facebook for daily specials and promotions. They're located at 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown, Pennsylvania, 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown, PA, 610-446-3810. That's how you reach them, 610-446-3810, Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there. And it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. 
go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Welcome back, everybody. Appreciate you hanging with us. Tony Shields, Rob Ellis, we are Sports Take. We are joined right now by a phenomenal columnist from the Philadelphia Inquirer. He's also a great author as well. If you have not uh, picked up The Rise, do yourself a favor, pick it up. He's also an excellent talk show host on 94 WIP on Saturday mornings with Glenn Macnow at 10 a.m. Mike Sealski. Mike, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? You left out my charm and good looks, Rob. <laughs> and you wrote it perfectly for me, Mike. I just didn't follow the script, man. And all, okay. around, all around good guy. Yes. You, you got it. Good guy. Yes. You got it all covered, Mike. Shout out to anyone who understands that reference. <laughs> yes. It rhymes well, just, with Polly. Yes. All right. Full, full disclosure, that one went over my head, you guys. Yeah. Uh, you're a young in tone. You're a young in. You don't, you, you don't remember the great Don Tollefson. Yeah. I'm going to put the walker away and now we'll, we'll, we'll get to business. Uh, Mike, I loved your, your, your piece two days ago. Uh, actually 
No, it was yesterday. I, this whole thing is a blur this week. I apologize. But Darn right. Game, yeah. And the, the old the old saying used to be the only one, Tone, this is another old man saying, get ready. The okay. only person who can contain Michael Jordan was Dean Smith, right? That's what they used to say <laughs> when Michael Jordan was in college. And, and basically, Mike wrote a piece. It hit a lot of different things, but Hassan Reddick, the only person who can contain Hassan Reddick is Matt Patricia. So, Mike, mm. let's start there because there's there's so much to dive into. But it, at the time, it felt panicky. In hindsight, it looks worse. The defense took a major step backwards. Not that it was the 85 Bears anyway under Desai. Um, but is was that – should we at the time, and that was right before the Seattle game, have said, oh, my God, this thing is so far off the rails? Yes, we should have, and no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't think it was a huge panic move at the time, Rob, only because the defense had gotten its doors blown off against the 49ers and the Cowboys. Yeah. And you're thinking, these are the teams that they're going to have to face and beat in the playoffs to have any hope of getting back to the Super Bowl. And I think I probably got caught up in the same thing I suspect the Eagles got caught up in, which is, okay, don't worry about the Seahawks. Don't worry about the Giants twice. Don't worry about the Cardinals. This is a move for the postseason. And we have seen that their defense is not good enough to get them there in the postseason. So I wasn't opposed at the time to saying, okay, if they think Matt Patricia can upgrade this defense, okay, I'll, I'll see how this goes. Now, I was skeptical that Patricia was the guy to remedy whatever was wrong with the defense. But replacing Sean Desai at the time didn't leave me to go, oh my God, this thing is off the rails. And everyone in retrospect should have been looking at it that way. Well, let me sure. stay on that real quick, Tony. Yeah, no sorry. problem, no problem. For people who didn't read your story, Mike, and you absolutely should if you haven't, um, what was the impression that you got from Reddick? Just after, I know it was very sort of raw at the time, but where he was with the way things went for him and for the team. I got the impression that Hassan Reddick, after that game Monday night against the Buccaneers, was holding his tongue from saying what he really wanted to say about the defensive shift. Mm -hmm. Think about this, Rob. Hassan Reddick had 11 sacks over a 10-game stretch in the middle of the season. Remember, at the beginning of the year, he was playing with that broken thumb, okay? And he had no sacks for his first three games. Then he rips off 11 and 10 games. Then Sean Desai is demoted. Hassan Reddick, uh, Matt Patricia is promoted and Hassan Reddick starts dropping back into coverage more often than he ever has at any point in his career. Even during the time when he was an inside linebacker with the Arizona Cardinals and mm -hmm. his career was in the balance. And it was only when the Cardinals moved into outside linebacker and turned him into a pass rusher that he became a great player. Over the five games that Matt Patricia ran the defense for the Eagles, Hassan Reddick did not register a quarterback sack. He did not register a quarterback hit in four of those five games, and he did not register a single pass defended. It's as if the Eagles took wow. Hassan Reddick and just traded him away for the last five weeks of the season, and he was your best defensive player. Jeez. So you tell me what you think Hassan Reddick was thinking in the aftermath of that game. Monday Malpractice. Night. That's what he was thinking. Sorry. Darn right. Go ahead. You know, it's funny because here's the thing. When you really think about it, Sean Desai was never hired in good faith in the first place. You hired him and all of a sudden you bring in Matt Patricia to, you know, to follow him right behind him. And, and now automatically a, a guy that high profile, you're going to look over your shoulder naturally. And lo and behold, we get to this point in the season where they demote Sean Desai, they promote Matt Patricia, 
And one had you know, we we have to ask ourselves this question because I'm not sure if too many people are talking about it. Do we have to consider that the Philadelphia Eagles completely derailed their own football season from the beginning, and we it, it just took us until about week eleven, week twelve to realize it? Oh, I think there's something to that tone very much, and there's a name that we haven't mentioned yet, but I think we need to bring to the forefront a little bit and what we're talking about, which is Howie Roseman. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much that we haven't confirmed yet, but there are clues leading us to certain conclusions about what happened and why this season. Uh, the connection between Howie Roseman and the Eagles and the Patriots. Uh, Nick Sirianni didn't know Matt Patricia before Matt Patricia was hired uh, to be a senior defensive assistant. That seems to have the fingerprints of Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie all over it. Uh, you know, the the decision to demote Desai and promote Patricia. Sirianni has said it was his decision, but that's something that's right out of the mold of what the Eagles have done in the past with the shifting of assistant coaches and uh, the move on Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman's part to tell a head coach, hey, you need to hire this guy or you need to demote this guy. Remember, that was why Doug Peterson, one of the reasons Doug Peterson left and was Mm -hmm. fired was that he wanted certain guys as assistant coaches and Howie and Jeffrey didn't want them. So we don't know yet exactly and officially why certain moves were made, but it fits a pattern that the Eagles have kind of unfurled for a long time now. And I think that's a question people have to ask. How many of these decisions were Nick Sirianni's ultimately and how many of them were made above them? Mike, I'll just tell you personally, I don't believe for a second that Nick Sirianni acted alone to make this move on the defensive side. I I feel the same way. Like he he took the bullet for uh, A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts with that pass in Seattle. I feel the same way about this. I think he just took the bullet for it. It was me. It was my call, whatever, Uh, because I don't think that happens without his without Jeffrey Lurie and Howie not only signing off. I think it was probably initiated or and or you know, much more agreed upon from them than him. But that's, well, you know, well, you know what, Rob, it's funny you say that because now we have to ask ourselves because Sirianni, he's been on the chopping block for the past several weeks. We have to ask ourselves this, Mike, right? If he's not making these decisions, what grounds are there to fire him? If he's not making any of the decisions, you know, that's something we have to consider. The grounds are, the grounds are, he, he is charged with making uh, the system work. The system Mm. being what Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman want. And if he can't make it work, uh, then they need to get somebody else in. Uh, Tone, I have maintained, and I'm going to keep pounding this drum until people listen to me. The connection between the real decision makers at the top of the Eagles organization, Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman, and whoever their head coach might be, is less important than the perceived improvement of the quarterback that they have picked to be their franchise quarterback, okay? Mm -hmm. Go back to Andy Reid. As long as Donovan McNabb was in place, Andy Reid was totally secure in his job as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, Mm -hmm. okay? Andy Reid lasted three years after Donovan McNabb was traded. Chip Kelly lasted less than three years as head coach with Michael Vick getting injured, with Nick Foles playing well for a season, playing less good for the second season, then getting injured, and with Mark Sanchez and Sam Bradford as his quarterbacks. Then they bring in Carson Wentz, they hire Doug Peterson, and Doug is fine there, even wins a Super Bowl there, as long as the perception is that the quarterback situation is settled and 
Carson Wentz is on the upswing. And look, there were a lot of factors that went into why Doug is no longer the head coach with the Eagles. But one of the primary ones is that Carson Wentz bottomed out in 2020 and was terrible. And what happened at the end of that season? They fired Doug Peterson before they traded Carson Wentz. Only did they move on from Carson Wentz uh, when it only they only moved on from him when it became clear he didn't want to yeah. be there anymore. And now we have a similar situation. Jalen Hurts took a step backward last year. And whether it is whether you put the blame for that on Hurts or Sirianni or Brian Johnson or whatever, if Jeffrey and Howie perceive that Nick Sirianni isn't extracting every last bit of greatness that they think he should be extracting from Jalen Hurts, they're probably going to find another head coach. Yeah, and Mike, you know, let's stay on that. I mean, I don't know how you conclude like we know how worked up we can get locally we know when you're in the eye of the storm sometimes there's reaction whether it's fans whether it's media whatever uh, you know it, it could be everybody and sometimes those reactions are extreme and over the top and you know then they're ground in emotion rather than rational thinking but in this case there's a huge but here in this case i mean you're hearing it you heard it from troy aikman for three hours of a, of a game on monday night repeatedly You've heard it from Lewis Riddick. You've heard it from Ray Lewis. You've heard it from Brian Baldinger uh, uh, with tape breakdowns, not even just opinion. It's like, look at what I'm seeing here. This is total, again, malpractice. I don't know how Nick defends himself with this stuff. They look horrendously prepared and, and horrendously coached on game day. And he's the head coach at the end of the day. Like we could say, oh, Brian Johnson doesn't know how to call a game. Maybe. But if he is truly the game planner, the schemer of this, he's not scheming them up to be prepared, and he has no idea how to fix it in-game. I don't know how he – I don't know what the defense is, and I'm not a knee-jerk guy. Like, I'm normally – dude, this guy just got to a Super Bowl. We're firing him the next year? But in this case, this is unbelievable. It's almost indefensible. So two things with that, Rob. First of all, I think you're right to point out how much the national conversation factors or will factor into Jeffrey Lurie's thinking. That matters. It matters to him that the Eagles are perceived to be a crown jewel franchise, that they are perceived to be a gold, one of the gold standard franchises, to use a phrase from 30 years ago, uh, that the NFL has. So the fact that Aikman and Lewis Riddick and Ray Lewis and all the national talking heads and analysts are picking the Eagles apart will, will matter to Jeffrey, I think. The second thing is, I think is in terms of Sirianni's future, this to me is the, is the most interesting question about it. Look at the array of coaches that are available to be hired if you have a vacancy right now. You have Bill Belichick, you have Jim Harbaugh, you have Pete Carroll, you have Mike Vrabel, and those are the big four really off the top, okay? Now, here's the conundrum to me for Jeffrey Lurie. If you decide you are moving on from Nick Sirianni, are you going to go get one of those four? And if you go get one of those four, who, none of whom are a go-along-to-get-along kind of head coach. No. Any one of whom, if you bring him in, is going to want to do things his way. What does that mean for Howie Roseman? Is Jeffrey really going to make that leap to say, if, if I bring in Bill Belichick, or I bring in Pete Carroll, or Jim Harbaugh, or even Mike Vrabel, am I going to tell Howie, sorry, you got to take another back seat? Uh, that's, that's one question. The other question is, if you don't hire one of those guys and you fire Sirianni, who are you getting? And how are you going to answer for the fact 
that you had an opportunity to hire one of these big four guys and you didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And then you could add a third dimension too. If he keeps, if, if he goes to Sirianni and says, all right, Nick, if you want to remain the head coach, you've got to do X, Y, and Z. You got to fire this guy. You got to fire this guy. You got to let me and Howie do this. You got to, is Sirianni going to consent to that? How much bleep, so to speak, would he have to eat to stay as the head coach? Yeah. And would he be willing to do that? Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in flux here and in play. And it's it's really fascinating to see how it's all going to shake well, out. Because I, th- the- I just let me say this. I really do think this is a crossroads for the Eagles, a huge crossroads yes. because of the decisions that, that Lurie is going to have to make and what they would mean for the franchise <clears throat> down the road. You, I think you're right on. I think your analysis on that is is could yeah. not be laid it out on. perfectly, quite honestly. Yes. Yeah. And, and the last one is really the Doug scenario. Doug had some, at least thought he had some gravitas from winning a Super Bowl to say, I want, I want this guy. I want that guy. I should have that right to say, I've played along. I've been the good soldier. Now I want some say, and he was shown the door. I don't know that Nick has that same kind of gravitas that Doug had, but, but I want to go back to something else. You know, this is to your point. They have, Jeffrey Lurie's never hired a head coach with head coaching experience in the NFL. It's been Ray Rhodes. It's been Andy Reid. It's been Chip Kelly. It's been Doug Peterson. It's been Nick Sirianni. Every single one of those guys were either assistants at the NFL level or, in Chip's case, a head coach at the college level. It would be completely out of character. Now, I don't know that we've had an array of guys like this available, but you're right. Like, what is he willing to cede some say? Is Howie willing to cede that say? And if that's the case, you're right. Like, you're bouncing Sirianni to bring in, no disrespect, Dave Canales or somebody like that who who was a well thought of assistant but like it does i don't know man it, 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 it there's a million well, questions here well rob here's the thing right and and mike you can definitely key in on this and mike you laid it out it's almost as if if you do decide to fire for fire Sirianni, you're gambling because at the end of the day if you don't hire one of those power four guys that we're talking about like you said Harbaugh, Belichick, Vrabel or um, Pete Carroll, um, if you don't hire one of those power four guys, any hire that you do make at the Seriani is going to be called into question. And also, how do you sell it to your players? And um, this is something I'm curious about with you because, you know, we get we put a lot of accountability on Seriani's plate, but I'm also curious, how do you balance player accountability as well? Because I'm kind of, me personally, I've been going back and forth between two competing ideas. These players are professionals. They get paid millions of dollars. How how can you not wake up for a playoff game or wake up for games that matter to your division standing or your conference standing? How can you not be motivated or get up for that? And then I then I battle it with okay, Nick Sirianni, what aren't you doing to get your guys ready? How do you balance those two competing ideas of player accountability and coaching accountability? I think there needs to be. I, I don't know what Nick is doing behind the scenes and what he's saying to these guys uh, to hold them accountable. I will say this, the most visible and important player on that roster needs a lesson in it. And I like Jalen Hurts. Um, I'm a Jalen Hurts guy. I think he's been terrific. I think he's a great story. Um, But I've been disappointed and I've lost some respect for Jalen Hurts in the way he handled the two opportunities he had to take some accountability and back up a head coach who, for all his faults and flaws, has backed Jalen publicly at every turn, okay? After the Seattle game, when Hertz and A.J. Brown called that audible at the end of the game, 
and Hurts threw that deep pass that, to Brown that was intercepted. Nick Sirianni twisted himself into a pretzel, offering explanations that didn't make any sense about trying to draw a pass interference penalty and never once let on that it was Hurts and Brown who made that call, who made the audible there. And it was only a week or two later when A.J. Brown stepped forward and said, hey, you know, I appreciate that Nick said that. I'll give you an example of why I like Nick and respect Nick. He took the bullet for us in that situation. Jalen and I called that play. And Jalen was asked about it and didn't answer the question. Jalen had an opportunity to do the same thing and didn't do it. Mm -hmm. Didn't back his coach. And then after the game Monday night, after the loss in Tampa Bay, when my colleague Jeff McClain asked Hertz point blank, do you want Nick Sirianni back as your head coach? And Jalen's answer was so glib. I didn't know he was going anywhere. Yeah. And then he had an opportunity again, Mike, because it was followed up and he still didn't. You know, basically, I have, I have faith in the whole staff. Like, no, they're asking you specifically about your head coach, and well, I'll guess just pick what, up guys? on that. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. This is just that begs the question: Does he believe? Does Hertz believe Sirianni is the guy that can get him to the promised land or get him over the top? Maybe does he believe not. Sirianni is the guy that can take his game to another level? And yeah. I think that's what it boils down to. And I think that's why he didn't jump out the Go window ahead, for him. No, I think that's 100% right, and I think that's going to be the ultimate determining factor of Sirianni's future here, and it doesn't look good for him in that regard. As I just said, Jeffrey Lurie is going to look at this. He has invested a quarter of a billion dollars into Jalen Hurts. If Nick Sirianni isn't getting the most out of Jalen Hurts that, Je that Jeffrey Lurie thinks he should be getting out of him, and if Jalen Hurts doesn't think Nick Sirianni's the guy, then Jeffrey Lurie's going to fire Nick Sirianni and, and bring in somebody who he thinks – can get the most out of Jalen Hurts. That's my point about, guys. you know, watching the quarterback as, a, as opposed to the head coach. It's the old adage, you can't fire the players. But, but right. and, and one other example, Mike, just on your not backing your coach thing. Look, Dak Prescott had about as miserable a game against Green Bay as you could have. I mean, it was every, here we go again, Dak Prescott thing, right? And everybody mm. dogpiled him after it happened. He's asked about Mike McCarthy, and he went on a soliloquy. He said, this guy is the reason I had the best career year that I had. Great season. point, Rob. Great point. If you're going to blame somebody, blame me, he said. He said that this point. offense operates because of Mike McCarthy. That's why we're as good as we are, because of him. It's not him. It's us. Like, that's, to me, that's leadership. Yep. I'm okay with Jalen being super cliche guy, and he's trained by his dad and Nick Saban not to eat the rat poison and all that. I, I appreciate that. I respect that, in fact. But he knew what he was doing there when he was asked about Sirianni. So to, to Tone's point, that to me said, I don't believe in this. And that could doom Sirianni likely today or whenever this happens. Yeah, you know, the other factor we haven't mentioned here, Rob, and it, it gets back to, I think, what you had said about the difference between Sirianni and Doug. Doug was very much a go-along to get-along guy personality-wise. You know, he's an accommodating guy. His natural instinct is to help you help his players help you in the media he wanted to answer your questions right yeah nick can be like that but i think nick is his his hot-blooded kind of way of carrying himself on the one hand it doesn't serve him well i think and he really needs to mature uh in the public image he presents during a game after a game you know he lets that kind of arrogance seep out from time to time. And I wonder how much of that might seep out in a meeting with Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman, where he just, he might be more likely to say, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. yeah I'm not doing it. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, we're all speculating here and um, 
we'll get the answers eventually. But man, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how this all shakes out. Yeah, and here's the thing, Mike. And the reality is the Eagles are, have been playing with borrowed time for the, over the past couple of seasons. Um, Jason Kelsey, a guy who's been going back and forth between retirement, um, Brandon Graham, you don't know what his future is with the Eagles. Fletcher Cox, he's over the past two or three seasons. We've just been trying to figure out, you know, he's been on one-year deals for the past two or three years. Um, and then uh, you, you, you just think about how they have been trying so hard to keep this window open. And they have many free agents coming up, a lot of big contracts that they got to figure out with Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat next season. You know, Avante Maddox, they have so many decisions looming over the next couple of years. They can't afford to have to worry about the coaching situation as well. So, you know, I'm 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 curious from your perspective, right? When you think about the front office moves that are looming this offseason and then you throw in the coaching issues, where does this team go from here? How how far have they fallen? It's a great question, Tone. Um, you know, I like to, I think you have to think of every NFL season in a way as its own self-contained entity, uh, that what happened the year before is not necessarily going to carry over to the following year, uh, and so on and so on. So they do have some serious decisions to make. And the only way that they're going to keep this thing going is if they draft well. And there's some open questions about that, right? Like Jordan Davis didn't become a dominant defensive lineman this season. Jalen Carter sloughed off at the end of the year. You're not going to have Jason Kelsey and Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox and Lane Johnson as these mainstays who were still making big plays for you in their 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th seasons. I mean, at, at times out there, it looked like Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox were still their two best defensive linemen, True. Um, which – doesn't say much about who they've drafted behind those guys. Nolan Smith was a first rounder. I mean, yeah. it gave him nothing, yeah. I, nothing this year. Yeah. And, and I was saying this to somebody earlier today, it's all fine and good. And it, it can even work out from time to time. If you, if you do nothing but draft guys from Georgia and Alabama. Okay. But guys from Georgia and Alabama in the main, in general, are probably a little less likely to have encountered the kind of adversity mm. in their careers. AKA losing. Yep. Yeah. That a guy like a Fletcher Cox did at Mississippi state, or that a guy like a Brandon Graham had to learn to deal with uh, early in his career when he was labeled a bust or that Jason Kelsey who was a walk on at Cincinnati uh, had to deal with as being a guy who was counted out and, you know, was a sixth round pick. I'm not saying you don't just draft talented guys, but I am saying that there was an intangible quality that that core four, and you throw Lane Johnson in there as well, brought to the culture of the team that is harder for them to bring once they're older, and it has to be sustained. And it might be a little harder to be sustained if you're bringing in blue chip guys all over the place. That's I, I know that's that sounds kind of no, I, I intangible, I, and and you're not really able to grab it, but I think that sort of thing does matter in the culture of an NFL locker room. Yeah. And look, Mike, I, I think there's like anything, when you fall apart like this, there's a lot of ways to go with it. Um, how much culpability and forget the not having the coaches back uh, for a minute, but does Jalen wear in this with just the way that he's played? I, I want to get into, I know you talked about what a fan you were of his, but you know, there, I don't think he was given the, the proper tools during the week uh, against opponents, but there's also times where 
I, I'm not blaming Brian Johnson or Nick that he makes you know a bad throw or he fumbles. I mean, this he was a turnover machine. They were horrendous situationally, including him. I mean, the safety he took Monday night is still oh, beyond yeah beyond comprehension. And we saw a couple of those kind of moments, you know, from him during the season. Is it as simple as it's not linear? You're not going to always be climbing. Like what? What do you think happened with him this year on the field? I think the upheaval in the in the coaching staff had a lot to do with it. Uh, I think back to the Donovan McNabb years. Uh, early in his time, and you could see the linear progression that Donovan made year after year after year, and that was because he had Andy with him, and he had a, a you know a really strong group of assistants, and he hot, and when one of them would leave, like a Brad Childress, Andy would bring in somebody else who was pretty darn smart. Uh, but Andy was there the whole time. What I want to see from Jalen is him getting to the point that Donovan got at the end of the 2003 season and into the 2004 season, mm. where he didn't need to run to beat you go back and watch Donovan in the second half of that Oh three season after his, his injured thumb heals and he's back to being hundred percent healthy. And then watch him that entire Oh four season with TO and Westbrook and all the weapons they had. He didn't need to run to just have a great game and pick you apart. I mean, the, the, the longer we get away from his time and with the Eagles, the better he looks to me. I go back and watch his his tape mm -hmm. and his games. It's like, wow, people forget how good Donovan was. And I think that to me was the concerning thing this season with Jalen was there were times he was beating teams in the pocket. He did it to the commanders in Washington and, you know, against the Dolphins to a degree. Um, but you didn't see that consistently. And so I think that's a question the Eagles have to answer. If we, if we, can we find another Steichen like guy mm -hmm. to come in here and create a, uh, an offense and create surroundings that allow Jalen to thrive from the pocket. And then we'll find out if what happened this season was just about the coaching or whether Jalen, you know, maybe isn't going to be that kind of guy. Maybe he does need to run to be at his best. And as he gets older, that could be an issue. Mike, last one for me. Um, it's kind of a two-parter here. Um, one, do you believe they paid him too soon? And two, how involved do you think um, he will be with the future? Um, how, how how involved do you think he will be in the discussions when it comes to Nick, Sir Nick Sirianni's future or the potential next head coach for the Eagles? It's hard to say that they paid him too soon, Tone, because if he goes out and has a great season this this year, meaning you know the season that right. just ended, then the price tag goes up. And who knows how he's going to react to the Eagles not paying him right away. Um, I think he's at the center of this whole thing. I think he is at top of mind for the decisions that Jeffrey Lurie has to make uh, as this franchise moves forward, because you've shelled out, as I said, $255 million to him. Jeffrey Lurie wants to make sure he gets the most return possible that he can on that investment. So are they going to be consulting Jalen? I don't know about that, but his future and maximizing him uh, that's going to be something that Jeffrey Lurie is is really, really thinking about and taking into consideration when he decides who the next coach will be. All right, Mike, last one from me, and this is back to Kelsey for a minute. And again, he has said he isn't he hasn't made a decision yet. Okay, that that that's Jason's words from his podcast. If in fact he does hang him up, I think he's as unique a Philadelphia story as we've seen. Sixth round pick, he's a center. It's usually not a glamour position where the fans fall in love with you. You don't see a lot of sixty. You know, other than Chuck Bednarik, right. you know, number 60 of anybody walking around. Um, but he is he is 
taken on sort of the face of the organization. Is there a comp for him in, in terms of great play and impact off the field? I mean, he's done so much for the autism, Eagles autism research, and just like a dude, you know, he's out, he's arm wrestling at, you know, the bar, you know, on a Wednesday, like just unique guy. Yeah. I mean, maybe the flyers of the seventies yeah. with Clark and Perron and Bill Barber and the, the bullies and those guys being part of the community. Uh, but sports have gotten so big now and the NFL has gotten so big that I think it is hard to find a cop for Jason uh, because he is so accessible and he is such a man of the people. And as you said, Robbie's a center. Um, and I do think the way that he played the position, uh, the fact that he was the focal point of so much film breakdown, when you watched an Eagles game, you would always have Aikman or Greg Olson or Charles Davis pointing out, look at how Kelsey gets downfield and throws that block and he's the most athletic center we've ever seen. And then look, let's be very honest here, guys. Everything changed for him when he put that mummer's costume on and delivered that speech. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's yeah, it, it did it. It did it. That, right. That's it, did. it right? Like <laughs> the fact that he showed that he was paying attention to all the scuttlebutt, right? That he went through all the names, Howie Roseman, Doug Peterson, uh, Nick Foles, blah, blah, blah. Like that he went down the list of people who the media and other fan bases had called out. It showed that he looked at the sport in a very similar way to those of us who cover it and follow it. Look at it, and that kind of intensified the legend. I think yeah. mm. that's a great, great note to go out on, Mike. Uh, appreciate it. What's next? What can wish we, we had more time, Mike. Wish we had more time, man. There, there, there's, there's I appreciate so that. Down, man. Yeah, so yeah appreciate that. I'm, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to head down to uh, clean out day at the Eagles. Okay. Um, I've got to. Uh, I got some time off coming up to me, so I can keep working on the book I'm writing now. Uh, and then, tell everybody what the next book's going to be. Next book is, is the, the yeah. title is Magic in the Air, and it is all about the myth, mystery, and soul of the slam dunk. Uh, every nice. chapter is kind of a um, its own self-contained book about an aspect or an athlete who was tied to the slam dunk. Dr. J, Wilton Russell. I'm writing a chapter right now about uh, the guy who won the first NBA dunk contest, Darnell Hillman. His nickname was Dr. Dunk, and he played for the Pacers in the 70s. Mm. Really cool story. Awesome. 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 All right. Looking forward to it. Mike, appreciate it, man. Thanks, as Thank always, you, for your appreciate time. You. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Take care. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. That Good is one. Mike Stielski of The Inquirer, WIP, as well. Great uh, conversation, right. Rob. Um, I, Again, you, I really wish we had more time, really, because I, I feel like the way he ironed out the whole dynamic between Lori, Howie, Nick, Jalen, you know, Jalen not Jalen not jumping out the window for Nick, and Nick constantly falling on the store for everybody else. It's um, th this is going to be a very interesting next few days, Rob, because it's going to tell us everything about where this organization is going. Thank you. This Coach was uh, this was one of our this is, this is one of our better interviews you got. Yeah, and uh, I appreciate it. We're going to keep it rolling. Uh, Jeff Kerr is going to join us at one o'clock tone, so about an hour from now he will be at the he's in route right now. You know Jeff's going to bring the heat, right? Oh, listen, man. I'm going to give you some numbers that he threw out last night on Twitter that are like, you're going to take a step back and, and, and whoa, okay? Jeff always has some killer stuff. So we will mm -hmm. talk to him. And, and again, always fun with Mike Sealski. All right, let's get a quickie in. Tone, it's your, your time to shine, brother. We're going to do your segment when we get back. Let's so do I'm it. Forward. Tell everybody what it is again before we before So we basically, uh, we're doing something called Come Back or Go Home. All right, we're, we're going to discuss players uh, that we would love to have come back, and we're going to ignore some 
some rules here. We're going to ignore some contracts. We're going to ignore some, uh, you know, we're going to ignore uh, who's going to be free agent, who's not. We're just going to go flat out. Who do you want back? Who Bobby. don't you want back? Right. Okay. You know, did you know? Did we overvalue or undervalue this guy? We're going to kind of try to work through position by position and really figure out, you know, where they need to clean house, where right. they're, you know, where they're pretty solid at. It's 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 going to be a, it's going to be a fulfilling segment, you guys. Trust me. Perfect. All right, let's hit it and let's come back and do that again. One o'clock. Uh, Jeff Carroll will join us. We'll do our NFL segment. Uh, we got we got tons in store for you. Uh, we will work some Sixers in too. Uh, by the way, uh, big game again from the big man. All right, uh, knowing who to trust with your finances, right, can be very scary. Can be a real challenge. I found the right person, and I want you to have that right person as well that you can trust. That's Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group. Whether it's retirement planning, four hundred one k review, insurance review, you might have a small business, you need help with your employee benefits. That's another resource that Jim can help you with. I've entrusted my IRA my 401k rollovers with Jim, and I couldn't be any happier. You will be as well. Give him a call, 610-996-4751, 610-996-4751, or you could email him, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, dot Jim at principal.com, Murray, dot Jim at principal.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game 
and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. All right, we're back. That's Tony Fields. I'm Rob Ellis hanging out with you on this Wednesday, and we're uh, kind of picking up the pieces, right, of everything that went down uh, with the Eagles season. I mean, we didn't think we'd be sitting here, uh, you know, kind of doing the autopsy on a year, but we are um, instead of looking ahead to divisional football, which we should be doing. But nonetheless, that's where we are, Tone. Uh, and, Unfor- you know, like you said, yeah. And like you said before the break, here come all the questions, man. Obviously, the big one is going to be what happens with the coach. Uh, but once you get beyond that, it's this roster. So let, let, let's dive into it, man. Yeah, let's do it. So, like, you guys, we talked about it before. Um, <clears throat> come back or go home. That's the game, right? Who do you want to come back? Who do you want to go home and take their ball with them? You know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward. So <clears throat> let's start on the offensive side, right? Let's do it. Jalen Hurts, come back or go home. Obviously, he's the franchise quarterback. You have Marcus Mariota as a second string, Taylor McKee as your third. When you look at that quarterback position, right, who do you, who are you telling to come back and who, who are you telling to go home, Rob? All right. So, um, look, here, here's what I would say. I'll work my way backwards. I, I don't – Tanner McKee looked good in, in preseason. Certainly a guy you take a flyer on to see what you have there uh, and let him improve. Mariota got so – didn't get any time, which is a good sign because Hurt stayed healthy the whole year. Um, so – I don't know. I see some of the other backup quarterbacks in the league and they're just straight trash. I really wouldn't mind if the two guys behind Hertz come back. I, I really wouldn't mind that. Now Hertz. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we're we're doing this off of, you know, forget about the $250 million and all that. We're just looking at what he did. Um I still believe in him. If if I'm if I'm looking at the overall body, I still believe in him. I think he needs to be coached well. Um, I think he needs to be coached a certain way. I think the system needs to fit his strengths. He's not a guy who's got a howitzer for an arm. He's not six foot four. He can't do the things that some other guys do. That's okay. Those other guys can't do what Jalen does. So it has to be done right. So my answer is he's coming back. um, And it is critical. I mean, the first thing that you need to do either if you're moving on from Sirianni is make sure you have the right head coach and right coordinator in place to get him back. Or, or um, if you're firing the coordinators, you damn well better bring in the right OC. And I want that mm-hmm. OC to call the plays and scheme it up and Nick mm-hmm. can oversee it. But I'm, 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 and I also want Jalen in the off season to really do some soul searching. I want him to understand a, you can't turn the ball over like that. And I think he does understand mm-hmm. that, but I also want him to understand you can be a better leader than you're being. You work your ass off. Nobody denies that. Nobody questions that. Um, but you could be more of a a leader of men in the sense that um, make time for these guys. You shouldn't have to be told, hey, why don't you have you know the people, the guys over? Or, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Take that mm-hmm. stuff upon yourself on the sideline and, and in, in, you know, in life away from the field. 
to be more of a leader with these guys. And last but not least, um, look at the way you handled the question for Sirianni, man. Even if you wanted him out of here, you you could have done more to have the guys back because clearly, according to A.J. Brown, the, whatever you want to say about Nick, he's got their back. So I thought that was kind of weak by Jalen, frankly. But yeah, I, I wanted like, back. Yeah. yeah, it's like um, he didn't necessarily disrespect them, but he also didn't. Uh, go to bat for him either. You I, know what I mean? Right. The best. That's a good, good way to put it. He didn't go to bat for him. He didn't lay yeah. him out, but he didn't go to bat for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess for me, like, you know, I guess that's why I look at it as like I take it more so as he doesn't believe in Sirianni rather than um, you know, me. I guess not having respect for him. Yeah. Because again, he didn't necessarily throw Sirianni under the bus at any point throughout the season. But he also didn't say he wasn't the problem either. Correct. So he kind of played Switzerland in, yeah, you know, in the whole situation. And he's very good at that. He played and coy. Very coy. And here's the thing about here's the thing about Jalen Hurts, right? That we all know, and he's portrayed himself to be this, and we're going to hold him to that. He's very calculated, very meticulous, doesn't waste words, doesn't just say anything, just say anything. When whatever he says, he typically means it. So you got to take it for what it is. And also you got to pay attention to what he's not saying. He has not gone out this gone out his way for Nick Sirianni this season. He has not. He's not. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you know, uh, t- to continue with the game, um, as far as come back, go home with Mariota and Tanner McKee. McKee come back. Um, I liked what I saw in the preseason. Young guy has he has some tools to work with. A little flat footed, a little stiff. Um, don't expect him to run, but um, he looks like he knows what he's doing. He um he he throws a pretty nice back shoulder throw, um, a back shoulder pass. So he has some tools to work with. Yeah. He's a yeah. prize. Mariota, uh, he can go. He can go home. Um, when you t- when you guys told me about how things went for him on that quarterback series on Netflix and just where his mind is well, with the sport, I don't know if I want that kind of guy in the building. I don't know if I want that kind of guy behind my um, multi-million dollar, quarter of a billion dollar quarterback. I want someone next to just next to Jalen Hurts who's a veteran experience and actually has won. On a pretty high level before. Um, maybe they won a few playoff games. Maybe they've been to an NFC championship, but maybe they were never the guy. Maybe they right. were a part of a moment. Um, I would like a veteran behind Jalen Hurts, someone who's gonna hold him accountable. I want I, I want a grown man basically behind mm-hmm. Hurts. Um, yeah, and that, and that's why, like I, and again, if they if they've come to the conclusion, like, wow, McKee really knows the system, you know, I could be a new coach, but you know, if he they feel like he's now matured enough to be that backup guy, I'm fine with that. I I I really liked what I saw from him. And I granted, I know it was against second stringers and third stringers, but so mm-hmm. what? He's playing with second and third stringers. So I, I liked what I saw from him. All right. So yeah. I, I would say right. uh, I would keep I wouldn't have a problem with any of them all coming back, but I, mm-hmm. I would be fine if it was Jalen and, and McKee, and then you figure out the third guy. Okay. All right. Let's go to the running back position. All right. So running back, DeAndre Swift, Kenny Gangwell, Boston Scott, Rashad Penny. Um, come back or go home. Who's coming back to the crib? Who's going home, Rob? All right, Penny's going home. Uh, Pe- Penny, Penny went home. I don't know if Penny ever got home uh, this year. I think he did. Was, he ever he was, leave the house? He was he was on the street, kind of looking for the address all year. Uh, what, what is? Uh, I think I'm at 15. Uh, all right, so that was Penny all year. So he can go home. Uh, I mean, if you want to bring Boston Scott back at at, at a league minimum. Fine. He can come back. He returns kicks, although you don't get a lot of opportunities to return kicks. But um, and he's a he's a fine guy to plug in as a three as a backup. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. I think they overvalue Gainwell. Agreed. 
like agreed. Or, or early. I mean, you remember the first game of the year, Swift got two touches. Gainwell was the primary mm-hmm. for some reason. So um, I, I, he's okay. I think he's okay. Um, for, I, I would go come back with Gainwell. It's uh, that's fine. I, I think they absolutely tone should give DeAndre Swift in the neighborhood of five million a year to come back and play for them. Do mm. I think they will? No. Right. I would I would bring him back. A guy who can run the way that he runs and catch the ball the way that he catches the ball. He stayed healthy for the most part this year. I think the only game he missed, right, was the game he was sick against the yeah, Giants. Yeah, the last game. He was healthy all year. So he stayed healthy. He ran tough between the tackles. He ran for 1,000 yards. The reason he didn't have more yardage is on you, not him, because you didn't get him the yeah. ball enough. I, it was I a career say, year for him all across the board. A career year in yards, career career year in, in games played. He he was he was at his best this year. Yeah, come back, come yeah. back for, for for him. So uh, that's where I'm at. How I wouldn't you? mind. I wouldn't mind having Swift back. Um, I don't think they will be bringing back, but I wouldn't mind having him back. Um, Kenny Gainwell can go home. Um, I I much rather keep Boston Scott, and then I'll uh, gain, uh, Penny can go home as well. Um, I would like to bring in a power back to play with DeAndre Swift. I mean, like a legit young power back yeah. with, fresh, with fresh legs. College, you know? somebody you draft. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, you know, we know they don't draft guys high at that position, and we know they don't pay guys at their position. So obviously, the likelihood of Swift coming back is very slim. But if I had it my way, bring Swift back, draft a a young power back with some fresh legs, keep Boston Scott, and that's your running back room right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so all right, let's go on to the wide receiver position. So at wide receiver, obviously we have AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Julio Jones, Olamide Zacchaeus, Quez Watkins, and Britton Covey. Okay. So who's I, who's staying? It. Who's going? Who's coming back? Who's going home? Okay. Um, going home is pretty simple here. Quez, goodbye. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, he's gone. Julio Jones is gone. Um, Alameda Zacchaeus is gone. Uh, I want Covey to, to, to come back. Mm-hmm. I want him returning punts. He was excellent at that. Um, I want AJ Brown back. I want Devonte Smith back, but what I need desperately tone is a real three. They don't have a real three. They, they fall so far off after AJ and, and, and Smitty that they desperately need a, a legitimate three. And I think they realized that this year, I think they had terrible depth at receiver and tight end, and it's one of the most underrated parts of this team. Think about it. After Dallas Goddard, and they didn't utilize him enough, but, you know, it's not any – except Stoll's fine if you want to just block. I need a pass-catching tight end. I don't want to get off the receiver thing. You need a number three wide receiver. So the the comebacks are simple. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Britton Covey come back. Everybody else go home. Are you buying into the whole narrative that A.J. Brown wants out of Philly? I don't buy it. I'm not buying it either. I don't. I, I know he scrubbed the social media. People went nuts. They lose their mind over that kind of stuff. I don't I don't think – I think he's I think Listen, he's a he, mercurial he's the, character. He okay? just entered the – he's entering the second year of that $100 million deal. He ain't going nowhere. Trust no. me. And, and, and think about it. Like, he's buddies with Jalen. 
He's getting paid big time. He is a featured mm-hmm. receiver here. Him and Devontae are Smith's have a him, him and Devontae have a really good relationship. They do. I don't. I don't. I just think he's he's a bit of a wacky guy, man. And and you just he's a he's, he's he's a wide receiver. He's a wide receiver, and <laughs> they're they're not like they're not like accountants. They're not wired like you know your mailman. They're 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 right. Volatile, emotional, passionate guys. Guys that guys that are very confident. Yeah. Um. Can you know? Can be can be cocky. Can be you know. It's here's the thing, right? I I I consider wide receivers. They're like that. They're like that overzealous cousin that comes to all the cookouts. You know what I mean? It's like they're they're great to have around. Yeah. You know that. You know they always deliver for you when you need them. Yeah. But they. They can be a little bit of a live wire, but, you know what I mean. Yeah. As long as you know how to handle, as long as you know how to handle them, everything always works out. You know what it's like for me. It's like all right, and, and this can apply to, uh, you know, guy, gal, whatever. You uh, in the single days, if you're dating a smoking hot, I'll use it for you know a, a girl, just for my example. I'm using here. Okay. Sometimes you'll put up with a lot more with the smoke show than you would with the non-smoke show. Absolutely. Okay. And you're willing, even though you're kind of compromising yourself a little bit, but you know, there's a nice payoff there. If you do, uh, will it get old at some point? Yes. Will it end at some point? Yes, probably. But you're willing to put up with it because, you know, for obvious reasons, that's what you do with diva receivers and diva corners. Now, when it doesn't work, like if if Darius Slay is getting torched every play, all the histrionics and all the other stuff, you're like, yo, dude, mm-hmm. see ya. But as long as they're still hot, you're gonna put up with it. Listen, AJ Brown put up over 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns this year. Yeah, and over 100 catches. Yeah. Listen, he can borrow my car. Well, all right. So, so <laughs> Coach Marcus says he's not wacky. <laughs> Wacky's probably a wrong word, but he is he is a guy that from time to time. There's going to be things think, that are maybe a little. I out think of he door. gets a bad rap. I think he gets a bad rap. I, well, think I, will AJ, say I, I think AJ cares a lot. He cares a lot about winning. I think. Um, I think he had, he 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 has moments. He has moments where you question like the decision, but for the most part, I feel like he's been very team oriented. He just has these little Twitter moments. He has blow ups sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, I thought he really handled when he finally came back and spoke. I thought he handled himself incredibly well. It was honest. Trying to calm the waves and and sort of defend Sirianni, even though he he didn't mean to to sort of throw a little shade on Sirianni. He but he did he did, but he wasn't trying. He appears I think, I think I, he's fine. There's there are way worse guys than him. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's my point, right? Yeah. You know, I, we could yeah. be dealing with the George Pickens situation. I agree. You know, or um, again, I just feel like AJ is the least of the Eagles issues. I, like, you know my, point, my point of, of saying all that was I right. want him here. I'm not, I'm not. Right, 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 right. Yeah. We both want AJ here. Yeah. Let's make, let's make that very clear. Philadelphia. We want AJ Brown in this building. So, all right. Yeah. Um, so, so basically you should keep AJ, keep Smitty. Um, Quest can go. Olamide can go. And bring, bring Cubby stays. That's bring Cubby stays um, for the returning factor. That's correct. It. That's it. Okay. All right. Let's, all right. Let's, uh, let's take it down and let's take it to another level. Uh, tight end, right? Dallas yeah. Goddard, Jack Stoll, Grant Cocaterra, Albert O. Um, who's coming back and who's going home? Um, 
Dallas comes back, everybody else goes. Everybody else goes home. I I, I can find Jack Stoll. I can find somebody to block yeah, like I know, Jack I know, Stoll. I need I somebody who can catch the ball. I like Jack Stoll, but you like can find that. him anywhere. You can find him anywhere. But I know. you can find those guys. And I want someone who can block the way Jack Stoll blocks, but also catch the ball a little bit better. I need a quality mm-hmm. number two here. Because a, for a couple of reasons. One, I'm hoping whoever's in charge next year utilizes the tight end more. And two, um, Dallas Goddard can't stay healthy. He never stays healthy for a full season. So I need a backup tight end to come in there and play. Not not guys who become ghosts like Calcaterra and Stoll do and Albert O. So everybody goes every you know and the only one coming back is is Dallas Goddard. That's it. Fair enough. I'm rolling with that. All right. Uh let's go with the offensive line here. Um obviously Jordan Milata at left tackle, Landon Dickerson at left guard, Jason Kelsey at center for now. Um Cam Jurgens at right guard. Lane Johnson at right tackle, and then you have as the backups, um, backup offensive lineman. You got Fred Johnson, Sua Opeta, um, Jack Driscoll, uh, Tyler Steen, and someone by the name of Roderick Johnson. So who's coming back and who's going home? I think unfortunately Kelsey's going home by his choice. Um, so I think he's gone. You think he hangs it up? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. I kind of think I, do. I think he's going to be smart about it. I think he's not going to hold up the organization and and drag it out because I think he knows they have to make decisions based off of what he does. So I think it'll be sooner rather than later. Like I think, you know, what my guess could be Tone. Like you don't if the Eagles are pulling the trigger on Sirianni, you don't want the Sirianni and Kelsey thing happening right on the same day where it's like mm. one doesn't get the the, the the attention it should get. I think he'll wait till the Eagles make a call. The Eagles are either going to come out with something where they're backing Sirianni or he's gone. Let the dust settle on that. Ooh, and then you just and, touched on something. Yeah. Well, Kelsey's detent well, Kelsey's decision, or is it partially or even a fragment of it? Is it contingent upon what that head coaching position looks like? It's interesting. Like I do wonder we didn't if, tap into that. I do yeah, let's talk about it for a minute. Let's stay on that. I do wonder if let's say it's somebody like um Jim Harbaugh. I, I, I'm just pulling that out of there. Mm-hmm. Harbaugh, by the way, interviewed with the Falcons. So the Falcons have now interviewed Belichick and Harbaugh. They're 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 big game hunting, Atlanta. Like, like Arthur Blank isn't playing around. So anyway, um, I do wonder if it's something like that that Kelsey doesn't say. You know what, man? We're gonna have a new sheriff in town. He's 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 not gonna be taking any any nonsense from anybody. Uh, it's no more Mister Nice Guy. I, I like the system that this guy wants to run, you know, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Maybe I'll give it a shot one more time. I think that's a smart thing, too, for him to wait to see what happens. And I don't think it means it's all he's automatically gone if Sirianni comes back. But right, I think, right, 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 right. But I think part yeah. of his decision, again, it, it may not even be 20% of it. Yeah. Even if it's 5% or 10% right. of his total decision, I yeah. think he's I think he's going to wait to see how they move. Isn't that all the more reason, right? Isn't that all the more reason for him, him to be smart and play it, play it slow? Right. There's no Give reason. Give yourself that him. option. But here's the thing, too, right? If the Eagles do make a move at head coach, right? If they do decide to move on, and again, we don't know who they're going to consider, sure. right? And a lot of people believe, um, a lot of people believe Belichick, Vrabel, all those guys, Harbaugh, they're right. pipe dreams because of the way the Philadelphia Eagles have conducted themselves as a front office and ownership. In the past, a lot of people believe that's a pipe dream because of the type of guy they usually go for. Guy was that what I experienced, and guy and people who say that are very right in their theory, and the in the history has proven 
that they are right. But, um, you know, this Nick Sirianni's future, it's it ha- – they may put themselves in a position to be behind the eight ball. Like you said, Atlanta has already interviewed Belichick and Harbaugh. So whatever decision they make, it might happen today. Well, well let me give you, okay. Let me give you one more thing on that. So up until today, Atlanta had been blocking all of their assistant coaches who were looking to make lateral moves from talking to other organizations. What I mean by that is, let's say you had a defensive backs coach who uh, other teams valued and liked right. and wanted to talk to, but it was only for a defensive backs coach position. They can block you if that's the case. Now, mm. if you're a D-backs coach and you're going to be a defensive coordinator, they can't block you if it's a, if it's a step up, okay? So why do I bring that up? I bring that up because they're not blocking anybody anymore. Tells me they have their guy in place, that it's going to happen. And he's bringing his own folks in. He's got his own staff. So Joe Schmoe, who's the defensive backs may, coach, or, can go look at wherever he wants. Or maybe they may not necessarily have him in place but they're prepared to give whoever they hire the farm. Yes, but I think that, it means you know, more likely that it's this guy has his dudes. Mm, and okay, I don't think the timing of that is coincidental. I, I, maybe I'm just, you know, I'm trying to look into things too much here, but I, I do think. No, no, I feel you. I mean, I mean, listen, this is what we get paid to do, to look into things a little too much. Yeah. So, you yeah, know, so you're all good. We have fun. We, we, yeah. we, that's, that's, isn't that, I always look at it from this standpoint. Don't you do that with your buddies? All the time. And, you and go hypothetical, just, you know. Yeah. Not even even if it's not sports related, just in life, we all speculate. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off. My rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. We all try to, you know, make our educated guesses, hypotheses, however you want yeah. to slice it. It's it's, yeah. it's 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 the gift of the gab, man. It's part of life. All right, let's um. All right, go ahead. Where are we? Yeah, let's go to the uh the D line. Now. Let's go to the defense side of the ball. Um, right. so, um, <clears throat> D line, obviously. Brandon Graham, Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, Josh Sweat, Jalen Carter, Milton Williams, um, Hassan Reddick, Marlon Tui Pelotu, Moro Ujomu. Well, Hassan Reddick, do you want to put him in the linebacker category? Because he is an edge. Uh, let, let's put him at the edge. I think he, he – I, okay, I would put, put him at defensive end slash edge slash defensive line. I, I wouldn't put him at the linebacker. Even, okay, though, right, even though Matt Patricia would like to play him at linebacker. <laughs> all right, let's keep him there. So, yeah, all the guys I named, BG, okay. JD, uh, Fletcher Cox, Josh Sweat, Carter. Memoirs, Hassan Reddick, Tuipolo, Tomorrow, Jomo. Who stays? Who goes? E.G. only if it's league minimum and he understands he's going to be a backup, which I think he does on both fronts. Um, So he can come back. Um, Fletcher Cox to me needs to come back. I agree. He he needs. He played too well, man. I I can and and Tone. Here's the problem. I don't trust Jordan Davis. Not yet. I need Fletcher Cox there. In case Jordan Davis is a, is a is a bust, so uh, come back, Jordan Davis. Uh, come back, Fletcher Cox. Come back, Jalen Carter. Come back, Milton Williams. Mm-hmm. Come back, Tui Pelotu. 
Jordan I didn't Davis really see to... much from Morrow with Jones. I can't really judge him yet. I don't know anything. Yeah, I, I to be frank, I don't know. I mean, uh, I got to tell you, I, if I'm being totally straight with you, I have Uh-oh. real concerns about Jordan Davis. Yo, they're they're growing for me as well mm-hmm. because you see a guy who clearly is talented. You see the athleticism. You see when he's on, he's on. You see, we've seen it. Yeah. But then it, it begs the question: Where's his motivation to be in shape, to 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 to, to be in tip top condition? Where's his motivation there? Um, you're a first round pick, top fifteen, top fifteen pick overall. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot is expected out of this young man, and he has to get his ass, get his ass on you know on the grind. It's just that simple. You can't. You can't at that position in particular when you got a guy like Fletcher Cox out playing you has a has a has a better motor than you. Nah, man, it's unacceptable. You're younger yeah, than I, him. It, yeah. it, it, it makes no sense. So J- Jordan Davis is definitely on the hot seat right now. Um, he'll be he'll be entering the third year of his rookie deal, and they're going to have to make a decision at the end of next season if they're going to pick up the fourth uh, the fifth year option. And if he has another season another season like this one, they're not picking up the fifth year option, and wow. they're and they're going to make him prove it in year four. Agreed. I mean, I, I just I'm bothered by. I'll give him his rookie year running out of gas. I don't love it, but okay. I, he's in his the fact that he yeah. was in his second year and this happened yeah. bothers me. Yeah, the rookie year he battled injury and the the endurance. So all right, okay, rookie year, I'll let you slide. Yeah, but the way you came out in that first part of this year, and then all of a sudden you fall off. That no, nah, that that's unacceptable. You can't. You you you. Can't, I, I would have felt better if you just showed me nothing. And I, I know. Like, <laughs> like that's what bothers me. I know it's there. I know you can play, dude. You got to the quarterback early, and right. you were a run stuffer. And then and then you then it went away for seven eight weeks. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, um, yeah, he, he yeah he, he's on a hot seat for sure. But he's um, come back. I mean, so all those guys, of course, yeah. listed are come back. Yeah. All right. Okay. No worries. Let's do it. All right. Um, linebacker, linebacker position. And <laughs> this is gonna be the easiest one. This is gonna be easy. Okay. Um, linebackers: Zach Cunningham, Shaq Leonard, um, Nolan Smith. Nicholas Morrow, Patrick Johnson, Ben Van Sumeren, Nicobe Dean. Um, we already mentioned Hassan Reddick with that with the D with the DN, so we're gonna ignore him. So okay. go ahead. Who's I coming back it. and who's going? Here's your comebacks. I I Nicobe Dean, but not as a starter. He's got to earn it. You gotta earn that. Van Sumeren can come back as a special teamer. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Nolan Smith comes back. He's he's in the same category as Hassan Reddick. He's an edge, but we'll 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 call him a linebacker. He comes right. back. Uh, everybody else goes bye-bye. Um, mm. And that includes Zach Cunningham. That includes Nicholas Morrow. Gone. Goodbye. Uh, I, that that unit has to be totally overhauled as far as the starters go. Have to. You have to have two new starters there. Those two guys can't play. Zach Cunningham was okay compared to the other slop, but right. it's not good enough. Yeah, and, good and, enough. and that's the thing, right? We had – how much confidence do we have in this organization to overhaul that position? And again, it's going to be based off of where that who this head coach is. You know, they have to reevaluate how they view that position. It's hard, it's it's hurt you too much over the past several seasons to believe that you can just keep popsicle popsicle sticking and gluing that thing together. It's beyond me. It's it's clearly been the Achilles heel of your defense and teams have been easily being able been able to take advantage of it because your defensive concepts are not complicated mm-hmm. you know you're not really doing anything um spectacular so all they gotta do is look at your linebackers find an open man he's going to be there so yeah i agree with you that that whole linebacker room kind of needs to be blown up if you and ask I, me i really hope 
that a defensive coordinator comes in here now the, this, this the other thing is will they hire a guy like this but if they bring in a defensive coordinator that emphasizes the linebacker position that would be so freaking great mm-hmm. it would be so great if you had a guy who was you know hey i need this i need that we got we got to look at this differently and they actually would would buy into that would be awesome yeah definitely all right um uh, let's let's move on here um corner the cornerback position um i didn't want to conflate the dvs I wanted to separate corner and safety. Yeah, I agree. So um, the corners, we have uh, James Bradbury. We have Darius Slay. We have Kelly Ringo, Avante Maddox, Eli Ricks, Bradley Roby, Zep McPherson, Josh Job. Who's coming back? Who's going home? All right, going home, Bradbury. I don't care what the cap hit is. I'll, I'll, I think it's $18 million. I'm eating it. He's got to go. Um, Keely Ringo, I, I, he's coming back. Eli Ricks is coming back. Zach McPherson is a really good special teamer who they missed is coming back. Uh, Slay's at the Slay. That's a tough one, right? He's a cap hit too, and he played okay this year. Uh, Slay comes back. Maddox comes back. Roby, goodbye. Job, goodbye. All right, for me, Bradbury definitely not coming, not coming back at all. He's going home. Um, Keely Ringo come back, Eli Ricks come back, Zach McPherson come back, uh, Darius Slay. I'm gonna say come back contingent upon if James Bradbury goes <laughs> because I believe, see, I wouldn't mind having Darius Slay next to a young corner that we that has real promise, not not questionable promise, real promise. You know, yeah, I, I yeah. think they should draft the corner in the first round next year, but I mean, this season, but this is me, but nonetheless, um. Darius Slay come back, Avante Maddox go, Avante Maddox go home, Bradley Mar- Bradley Roby go home, Josh Job uh, come back. You know I'm I'm just I'm 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 over the Avante Maddox thing. I like him as a, I like him as a person. I, I I love his character. I love his effort. Always fights to come back, but can't stay healthy, man. That's the problem. Pay, like there's a couple and guys and telling paying you too much money. I I you can't go into next year counting on him. To stay healthy, you can't go into next year in any way, shape, or form counting on Nicobe Dean either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's and certain and guys where, positions. yeah, I, and, and it's tough. You can only the problem is you know with the salary cap, there's only so much depth that you can have. Um, but you know, I I don't know how if you're the Eagles, you don't look at this pattern with with Avante Maddox and just say, yeah, you, you know, we better have somebody really good behind him. That's all. Right, right. And Zach McPherson was his backup. It sucked that they both got. Hurt. Yeah. They missed the same him. Year. He, that missed hurt him. them. Yeah. Hurt them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, safety position, finally. Um, Kevin Byard, Reed Blankenship, Justin Evans, Sidney Brown. Um, those are the four safeties on the roster right now. Who's coming? Who should come back? Who goes? All right. Um, Kevin Byard's going home. Um, Sidney Brown's coming back. I don't know when he's going to come back, but he's coming back. Reed Blankenship will come back. Maybe not as a starter, but he's back. He can play special teams. He could be a nickel. Uh, Justin Evans goes. Goodbye, Bayard. Goodbye, Evans. Blankenship Brown. Come back. So two two out of two. I am mad at that. Kind of like a youth movement there. Um, Their safety position is going to be – their safety position is going to be one of their younger positions. so yeah, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with that. Uh Reed Blankenship and City Brown come back. Evans just can't stay healthy, unfortunately. Um, Kevin Byard, 
Um, he goes as well. I don't I don't know what he has left. He looks crazy. And then obviously, you know, on, on a side note, though, and I know this is your favorite position. How pleased were you with the punting this year? Punting was amazing this year, wasn't it? Yeah, very. I, I told you, Tony, I didn't all – I never worried about him. Like Not one time. Great man. He, sec- I, he secured, I, if you ask me. I like that I didn't have to – there was no agita at all from me with – Elliot, ever there never is with him, but Elliot or Braden, man, and you had good punt returns. I, yeah, man, it was, it was pretty smooth sailing on that side, which is part of the whole irony of this whole year, <laughs> that they were good and and the other two units were terrible because it was the total opposite last year. Which yeah, maybe gives you a little. So hope yeah, yep. So yeah, yep. That's the uh, that, that's the experience. That was good, we got, man. Hope, we got, hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, it really allowed us to really um really dig deep into this roster, position by position, and really figure out. You know how we really feel about a lot of these guys because you know, you know, when you think about it in the macro, it's so easy for guys to fall by the wayside. But you know, when you really dig deep into the nitty-gritty of the of the position groups, you realize the Eagles have some real decisions to make. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They do for sure. All right, here's what we're gonna do. When we come back, uh, we're gonna do an NFL segment, <clears throat> NFL segment, and then at one o'clock, Jeff Kerr is gonna join us from the Novacare complex. So let's come back. Uh, again, we'll update you on some of the coaching searches, uh, some injury updates as well. Uh, some guys who now have full control over their organizations. We'll, we'll hit all that stuff when we get back. So don't go anywhere. Tony Shields, Rob Ellis uh, with you on this Monday. All right, let's talk about pro act or Monday, Wednesday. Uh, let's talk a little pro action restoration because yeah, trust me, it's not Monday. Uh, pro action restoration. If you have a home, you have a business and you've gone through the pain and the inconvenience of water, fire, smoke, or mold. Uh, you know how difficult that can be, but pro action restoration is on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. I utilize them when I had water damage in my house and they fixed the problem. Uh, they took care of the drywall, the ceiling, uh, the wall itself, the carpet, the whole nine was taken care of one-stop shopping. They are licensed, bonded, fully insured, ProAction Restoration has been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades, and they will work in conjunction with your insurance company. So again, water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call, 610-623-3760, 610-623-3760, or online at ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is 
not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Wednesday, I promise. We don't have to go back to Monday and watch that game again, people. Okay? We don't. I was just kidding. I was just testing everybody to make sure we knew where we were. All right? Oh, yeah, you're going to crack it up, man. You were like, hold on, wait, what? <laughs> Monday is Wednesday. I, I, as soon as I said it, I'm like, dude, we, we Monday was tough enough on everybody. Let, let's keep it moving. We're at Wednesday. Okay, we're good. We're halfway there, people. Definitely, right. man. Definitely. Uh, all right, so a couple a couple of NFL um, notes here, Tone. This you know serious one. So Jim Irsay, the re, the owner from the uh, Colts, was found unresponsive and struggling to breathe uh, last month, and was transported to to a hospital by paramedics. Um, he was found lying in bed, cold to the touch, when emergency personnel reached him at uh, four thirty two in the morning on December eighth. Radio traffic accessed by ESPN indica- indicated fire rescue was dispatched to the to his address, and, uh, to, and he was unconscious. Uh, Ursay received a dose of Narcan from the first police responders on the scene, according to the report, and responded slightly before paramedics took him to the hospital. The incident was classified as an overdose in the documents. So take it for what it's worth. Um, that that's uh, that's that's Ursay. Yeah. And he's had issues in the past with uh, addiction, with, addi- no. with addiction. So um, you know, anyway. as many jokes as <clears throat> we make about him, um, I personally take addiction seriously. I've, you yeah. know, I've seen it. I've I've seen addiction uh, inflict a lot of damage on. Yep. Um, you know, people I love, people I care about. Same here. Uh, people close to me, and um, no matter how high on the mountaintop we sit, no matter how high on the throne we sit. Um, none of us are exempt from um, the physical toll that uh, extensive hard drug use can do to the body and do to the mind. None of us are above addiction. None of us are above um, any of those things. So 
Um, look, all the jokes that we crack about him, put that to the side. Same. I re- I really hope he's. I really hope he trends yeah. in a better direction and, and gets because things um, yeah. you know again addiction is something that's hard to kick. Um, we 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 overlook it because um, you th- you look at it as something as hey, well just stop doing it. It's not that easy. Think about yeah. something that you do innately and that you love to do, and you 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 find reasons to justify why you should do it in your mind. Yep. Right. Um, we've all done it before. So not drugs, but just we all have things in our well, no, I know what you mean. we're yeah. trying to stop or maybe things that, you know, about our personality that we're trying to change. But innately, physically, it's hard for us to, just, to shake it. So, again, I hope um hope everything um ends up well for him. Yep. Um, it's unfortunate. All I got you. Um, on a lighter note and a nice note, uh, we were yeah. talking about Jason Kelsey earlier. Um, it was pretty cool. He he stopped by his local McDonald's drive through today and gave one of the employees who's a big fan of his, a woman named Danielle, uh, a signed jersey uh, while he was in the drive-thru. So Jason Kelsey doing Jason Kelsey's things. So very cool. And uh, congrats to, uh, to, to, you know, to Twiz. Um, battled for 17 years with it, four years clean. Good for you, man. Good Congratulations, you. Twiz. Seriously, um, I'm proud of you. Um, know that uh, there are people out there who are rooting for you. Yep. And 100%. Um, I know every day that you're fighting a battle. You're fighting a battle every single day, whether you're stressed, whether you're sad, whether you get disappointed or let down, you're fighting an urge to satisfy that feeling. Yeah. No, that's and, great. Um, and, and again, James, I've, same to you. I've seen Congrats, it. James. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, shout out to you, James. Um, same thing. I know, I know you guys are fighting against real urges. Yeah. And, um, just know that there are guys rooting for you behind the scenes for you to continue to fight those urges. So even yeah. if you have those bad days, those moments where you feel like, I don't know if I can, I'm itching, I'm itching. Hey, just know I'm watching you and you, you better keep your hands and your nose clean. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, again, I, I've seen addiction happen to people very close to me, very close to me. Um, yeah. And it's, um, it's sad to see them deteriorate, but it's also even better when you see them have an amazing the comeback. comeback stories. Are great. The comeback story is always spectacular. So shout yeah. out to Twiz. Shout out to our guy. Was it was that James? Yep. Um, shout out to our guys, James Jones. Um, we appreciate you guys for um, you know, for staying clean, staying healthy, do, making the right decisions for your families, mm-hmm. and we appreciate you guys. Um, so Mike Tomlin made it official. Not, I don't think this is a big surprise, but he came out and said it publicly that he will be back with the Steelers in twenty four. Uh, got to the playoffs again this year. I think Pittsburgh is a quarterback away from being, you know, a, a serious player in the AFC. But they do need to get that. They do need to get that quarterback, man. Uh, that is for sure. All right. So elsewhere, uh, I mentioned Jim Harbaugh interviewed with the Falcons. So uh, they've interviewed Belichick. They've interviewed Harbaugh. Uh, they've actually interviewed a lot of guys so far. They, they've been moving pretty quickly. The Falcons. Uh, yeah. I respect it, man. Listen, I like teams that don't waste time. They listen. They they knew they wanted to fire Arthur Smith pretty early on. Right. They're making their moves. They understand that they have a pretty good roster. If you really look at Atlanta roster, Atlanta's roster top to bottom, they did a good job retooling that defense. Yeah. Right. The Jesse Bates signing was amazing. Yeah. Um. They had the you, you got a tight end. You got a receiver. You got a running back. Your O line is okay. It's solid. You got to have somebody in there that's competent to get you know to get the most out of those guys. You cannot yeah, waste time with that roster, especially a lot of those guys are on rookie deals. So yeah, you guys, I, so you you got to take advantage. 
Agreed. Yeah, they need another quarterback, and and you know they need they're another team yeah. that needs a quarterback, and and we know how tough that can be to find. All right. Uh, so they've interviewed Tone, um, Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald. They have interviewed uh, Ravens assistant head coach Anthony Weaver, Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan, Panthers defensive coordinator. I'm uh, I don't know how to pronounce his first name. Ayero uh, Evero. Um, Niners D coordinator, Steve Wilkes, um, as, as well as the, you know, other ones who I just mentioned, Belichick and Harbaugh. So a lot, a lot of work in Atlanta being done, Mm -hmm. uh, elsewhere. Um, the, uh, the Browns are making some moves here. Alex Van Pelt is out as their offensive coordinator. So, uh, they have moved on from him. They fired stump Mitchell, who was the running backs coach, and they're not renewing the contract of tight ends coach TC McCartney. So they are Kevin Stefanski's making some offensive moves. Hmm. Um, on that side, it's funny I, through all that turbulence and injuries and how they've been playing. Yeah, above, I would think you keep that intact. You know, you, clearly they know something we don't, and they felt like they weren't getting enough from certain positions. Still, I feel like David Njoko had an amazing season. Yeah, oh um, God. yes, y- yeah. Even through even through the burns he sustained, you know, earlier in the year, man. Um, I remember he he showed up one of those games and one of those masks. What, what mask? Oh, I, can't, I can't believe he played that week. To, like, he played great. that so he played. Yeah, and it had a great game too. He he's a psycho, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, man. Um, the Browns, they're they're so good and well coached, man. Um, I guess for them they look at it as making some minor tweaks here and there. Mm-hmm. Um. And you never know. Maybe some of these guys just wanted a, a, a new opportunity as well. So you never know. So maybe it's a combination of timing and, you know, maybe they just want to get something different out of those positions. But overall, I think Cleveland's in a good place. Um, very curious to know how far they would have gotten if Deshaun Watson would have stayed healthy. And yeah, we'll see that next year uh, you know, if he stays if he stays uh, on the field. Uh, the Rams, two things. One, uh, Matthew Stafford says he will be back. And Sean McVay says we are um, – 100% committed to him as our quarterback unequivocally. Mm-hmm. So we know that that's going to take place and that'll be the case in LA and LA is another team that's dangerous in the NFC. That's that, that looked yeah. like they were done and they kind of rose up from the ashes uh, yeah. to do a nice yep. job. Matthew Stafford is uh he doesn't get, in my opinion, I don't think Matthew Stafford gets the, the respect he deserves at that position. Matthew Stafford is one of the most talented, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He throws one of the prettiest balls. Mm-hmm. Like, He's had a hell of a career, man. The guy's won a Super Bowl, tough, put up massive tough numbers, tough dude. Yeah, I give him a lot of props. Actually, yeah, he, he won me over in that. Uh, I, I, was he a rookie when this happened? But it was the Bears game, and I think his shoulder popped out of place. I remember that. And he was on the ground, and he was like, "He was like, get off me, just help me up, <laughs> just help me up, get yeah. off me." He said, yeah, "Look, yeah, I can, yeah. he said, Look, I can still throw. I can, get off me." <laughs> they were. <laughs> <laughs> they were trying so hard to say, Matt, just, just no, get on me. I'm going back out. He yeah. threw the touchdown with one arm. I remember and that. He, he threw the touchdown. He's running off the field like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, oh he God. won me over with that. So, yeah. um, yeah, man, um, I think they're all right at that position. I think their problems are beyond Matthew Stafford, but I think they're turning in the right direction. They drafted very well last year for not having a first round pick. I, agree. Um, I, think, I think they get their first one back this year, right? Yeah, they they're great at finding gems, Puka Nakua, you know, types like they. Yeah, they found at, they found Kyron Williams last year. Yeah, yeah. who had thumb surgery, but he'll be fine for the season. Yeah, right. Uh, the by the way, Tyler Higby towards yeah, ACL and MCL. Yeah, that, 
Man, I hate that low chop hit where they just go to guys' knees. I get you can't go to guys' head. I understand, but I, I hate saying that. But yeah, yeah, some of those guys are so big. It's like, how else are you supposed to tackle them? So I, 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 I get it too. So I know. It's a part of the game. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to see guys go down. Um, so um, the, the hard knocks candidates for next year, potentially, unless another team volunteers, the Bears, the Broncos, and the Saints can be forced to do hard knocks training. Bears, camp. Broncos, Saints. Yeah. Um, Ooh, who are you interested in watching? I, 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 the Bears or the Broncos interest me because I want to see the dynamic with Justin Fields if he's there or if they have a new quarterback. The Broncos interest me just because it's Sean Payton, just because yeah. I want to see what's going on there as they strive to get this thing straight, especially post Russell Wilson. You know. Agreed. Ooh, speaking of Russell Wilson, where do you? Uh, look, man. It's the Pittsburgh. I keep saying it. It's, it's the offseason now. We're having fun, man. We're having fun. Look. Where is Russell going? You know where where would be interesting? Atlanta would be interesting. That would be very interesting. He's back in the NFC. Um, he's in the easy division. Yeah. Um, that would be it. Are they willing to take on the contract? There's a lot of speculation that if the Bears trade Justin Fields, it would be to Atlanta. Um, Agreed. I would love to see him in Atlanta. Kid. Yeah, he's a Georgia kid. He would he would want to not that that's the end all be all, but he he would he would he would want to go back to you know play at home and and all that. So I would I think Atlanta could be in play for a, for some kind of trade. If you if you're if you're Atlanta, who do you want more? And, and and also I want you to consider every nuance of this thing, right? I want you to consider contract. I want you to consider oh. you know the the money, the age, um, the upside. I want you to consider everything into your decision. Who would you if you're the Atlanta Falcons in 2024? Right now, who better serves you, Justin Fields or Russell Wilson? If I'm trying to win it this year, I'm going Wilson. If I if I'm looking at this as a few year thing, I'm going Fields. Mm. Now, if you if you hire Bill Belichick, you're probably going Russell Wilson, the more of a veteran to try to win right now with a 72 year old. If you hire, I don't know, some young guy. But will Russell Wilson take to a guy like Belichick? That's the thing. Yeah, that's a good question too. I probably I, go Fields. I probably go Fields. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I asked you the tough question. I don't know the answer to my own tough, tough question. Uh, I think I would go Fields as well because of the contract. Yeah. Um, Because of the youth, uh, the potential upside. He's talented. Let's be honest. Just Fields has a has a great arm. I agree. Um, his instincts could be a little better in the pocket, but I think he's talented. I think he could be coached up. He's raw. And I think he's gotten bad rap in Chicago. I would love to see Justin Fields in Atlanta with some legitimate coaching. What's you know? What's some weapons? I think it'd be cool, but I can't wait to talk to Jeff Kerr because this right. is going to be awesome. Let's hit it. We'll talk to Jeff Kerr when we get back uh, from the Novacare Complex. We'll get his take on everything that's going down with the Eagles and what the vibe is down there today, et cetera, because they're they are having, yeah, you know, they're cleaning out the locker rooms and they're having the exit meetings. All right, let's talk about uh, Flynn Tree Services. They are an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They're experts trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. You can go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848. 610-850-2848 or online at flynntreeservices.com. That's flynntreeservices.com.
Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go Bird! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Wednesday Sports Big Jake Sports YouTube Network. Let's head down to the Novacare Complex, where it is going to be a fascinating day, uh, to say the least, as the locker rooms are cleared out and the exit interviews begin. And we are joined uh, by our guy Jeff Kerr. Jeff does an amazing job uh, covering not only the Eagles but the NFL for CBS Sports. And you can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Kerr CBS. Jeff, first off, welcome, man. I, I want to start with this. I know you you just arrived maybe half hour ago, whatever it was. Um, any sense what, what, what kind of where things are right now? We're, we're told that Jeffrey is going to Jeffrey and how we're going to be meeting with Nick kind of where things are in your estimation. You know what? Your guess is as good as mine guys. Uh, I, I gotta be honest with you. I, I have no idea what they're going to do. Um, they're not speaking today. So that's going to be uh huge. I mean, last year they did not do that as well. They, they wait until a couple days later. So I have a feeling I'm going to be back here again uh, when they, when they do speak at the end of the year, but I still think they're contemplating things out. I, I, I said after yesterday, it was going to be about 48 to 72 hours. I'm going to stick by that. Yeah. You know, that, Jeff, that's it, it, right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. This whole thing is really um, something it, it's really a spectacle because, you know, you look at the way this team performed just from an effort standpoint, and you say, wow, where's their player accountability? But then you also got to say, wow, Nick Sirianni, how are you not able to get these guys ready and prepared, you know, week in and week out, especially in, you know, in such a large sample size? It was a tale of two seasons. You know, I asked our guy Mike Sealski this question earlier, and now I'm going to ask you, when you look at how this season kind of transpired, especially in the second half, how much do you lend towards player accountability and how much do you lend towards coaching accountability? How do you balance those two competing thoughts? 
Yeah, that's a good question, Tone, because honestly, I've been back and forth on this. I've been blaming the coaches. I've been blaming the players. And honestly, everybody's to blame, right? So I blame the coaching accountability. And maybe this is just me being the coach myself. How can you, how, what did you do to get them out of this? And I don't think they did anything. The only major change they made made the team worse. And that was change the defensive play caller, which in hindsight, and it, it wasn't a good decision. And in the back of my mind at the time, I didn't write about it, but I said, you know, th this is probably going to backfire on them because you got to change everything up in the defense. You got to change the philosophy. So that didn't work. Um, I don't know what they were doing on offense the last like six, seven weeks. I mean, when you're hearing from professional athletes, current and former guys on the Manning cast all over the place saying it's a high school offense, that's very concerning to me. So what did, were they trying to simplify the game too much? Were they trying to be, you know, you know, trying to outperform their limitations here? Because I, I was trying to tell uh, the guys on Birds 365 yesterday, look, we can blame the offense all we want here, but they're, they really weren't as deep as people thought they were. And you saw that when A.J. Brown was gone. Yeah. Uh, well, here's the, the disconnect for me, Jeff. If we're to believe that Nick Sirianni is scheming this thing up, and he was scheming it up last year. And I get it. Maybe it's just Shane Steichen was a wizard game day, which could that could be the answer. It could be that simple. But how does it look so unprepared from one year to the next if the same architect is designing it? How? Yeah, that, I think that's one of the questions we need to answer. How was it this bad? How did it get to be so bad? Did the quarterback – like what happened with Jalen Hurts? All of a sudden he turned the football over a lot and – he wasn't turning the football over late, but he was making bad plays, bad decisions. It's and I mean, you guys saw on the on the blitz on what was it the first drive? Uh, you know, I, again, I still haven't really rewatched the game yet. But on the first drive, you have two guys going on one guy going on out route, one guy going deep on the blitz. It's like seriously, like the like this is what they're going to do here, or you know, the one time they do go across the middle, they get thirty some yards to Devonta Smith. So. I think this offense really relied on the big play this year. And we just didn't see the big plays much after week three. Wouldn't you guys agree with that? Agreed. Yeah, 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 definitely. You know, it's funny. Hurts in his um his his press conference after the game, it was it was telling and it was kind of more so about what he didn't say rather than what he did say. And you know, he was asked straight up, you know, do you want Nick Sirani back? And he was very coy and vague about it. You know, that's and that's on brand for him. But again, Jalen Hurts, very calculated, very meticulous, doesn't waste words. He typically means what he says. And for him, you got to pay attention to what he doesn't say. Did it stand out to you that he didn't necessarily outright back Sirianni, especially when we see guys like Dak Prescott? Rob brought this up earlier. Dak Prescott had his best year of his career under Mike McCarthy. He he went out his way to make sure Mike McCarthy got the love he deserved. We didn't see that with Jalen Hurts. Um how, how how are you measuring that? How are you diagnosing Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni's relationship? Um, it does Nick Sirianni's future hinge solely on um, what Jalen Hurts wants at this point? Yeah, I didn't like Jalen Hurts' answer there. It's it's okay. I have the confidence of everybody in this building. Well, okay, that was a typical Jalen Hurts answer. But to me, I'm like, well, way, way to step up for your coach there, Jalen. Well, and and he was being asked specifically, <laughs> Jeff, about Nick, not everybody. Like, you couldn't at least give a little bit of like, hey, I, of course I have confidence in Nick. I have confidence in every or whatever, no, you know. Yeah, yeah. and I, I like how he just kind of ignored Jeff McClain there when 
that was a great question by Jeff, by the way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jeff followed up with it. Like, you mean you tell me you didn't know, like, your coach is on the hot seat? Like, come on. Like, yeah. Those guys know. Uh, they, they, they hear this stuff. Jalen Hurts probably goes on Twitter just as much as I do at this point. It's, you know, I, I don't – I just did not like the answer. I, I was not a fan of it. That's your franchise quarterback. And, again, Tim, like you mentioned, Dak Prescott did like a five-paragraph thing on why Mike McCarthy should be back as Cowboys head coach. And he just got blown out in the wild card round just like the Eagles did. It, it's like, you know, are, are you not happy with what's going on? Like – he does know if Nick Sirianni's gone, Brian Johnson's gone too, or maybe he's not happy with him. Who knows? Right. And, you know, real quick, if I can follow up, Rob, that begs the question, you know, for him not to go out his way and defend him, you know, even A.J. Brown went out of his way to defend him, right? You know, with the whole penalty, deep ball in Seattle, that kind of thing. For him not to go out of his way to just quell or just, you know, you know, try to put the flames out when it comes to Nick Sirianni, it says a lot, and it says to me that I don't think he believes, and I want to get your perspective on this, I don't think he believes Nick Sirianni is the guy to help get him to the next level. And I'm curious to know, how, how do you how, how do how do you react when you hear that? Yeah, even if he thinks it's on the field, look at the off-field stuff, like Nick Sirianni with the Chiefs. When, when do you ever see Jalen Hurts just disrespect an opponent? Think about that. It's it's a different culture. Like Jalen is the same even keel guy. It seems like every single time it's, you know, he's not going to crack, you know, it, it, he's not going to be giving, you know, an F you, or he's going, he's not going to rub it in your face. He's just not going to do that. And Nick's kind of the rah, rah guy, you know, the, the fired up guy. But I, my biggest concern with Nick is whether Jalen thinks he's a guy or not, was the message getting across to these guys. I wrote a story after the giants game and, you know, it's pretty bad when I'm sitting there at MetLife Stadium kind of rolling my eyes at stuff Nick is saying. I'm like, if I'm doing this, what's someone who's actually playing for him doing? You know, yeah. again, this is probably where my coach stuff coming is. I, every time I make a speech to the kids, I'm always looking to see if they're paying attention or not. It's like the number one thing. Yeah. And, and look, I, I do think there's a there's a question about his emotional you know, status, if you will. But you laid it out, I thought, very well, Jeff. You, you threw a tweet out yesterday uh regarding the eagles offense over yeah. the last seven games and that included the playoff game monday night all right so offensively 16.9 points per game which is 26 26 with that offense yards per game 19th yards per play 15th time of possession 29th rushing yards per game 18th passing yards per game 16th third down percentage which they were great at early in the year they're down to seventh now red zone percentage has been a roller coaster bad good bad but they finished you know well, in those seven games 21st turnovers tied for 30th like this is across the what board <laughs> horrendous jeff horrendous across the board yeah, it, I mean, we do know who's on this team, right? It's Jalen Hurts, the runner-up for MVP last year. A.J. Brown, the only receiver ever to have back-to-back 1,400-yard seasons for this franchise. Dallas Goddard, Devonta Smith. I mean, we saw how good Devonta Smith is when he's the primary guy. I mean, he, he's a stud. So, and remember, you had A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith all those times. You still had three Pro Bowl offensive linemen. You got the best center in the game. You got arguably the best right tackle in the game. Jordan Malata's really good. Liam Dickerson's really good. Uh, you know, Cam Triggers may be the weak spot, but it's not that big of a weak spot, right? It, it's Look at all the talent on that offense, and th that was it. When I saw those numbers, 
I was shocked, and I made sure to omit Sidney Brown's touchdown in there because because okay. remember it was eighteen, but you take away Sidney Brown's pick six, right? It's sixteen, so mm. that's really bad by this team. And look, I, I keep telling people changes are going to be made here, and there will be changes made. It's just unacceptable. Like everybody knows how bad the defense has been, but we. I think that's part of why the offense struggled too. They knew they had to go score on every single drive to win a football game. <laughs> they couldn't even get 20 yards. And, and, and I think that's the real indictment on Nick Sirianni, the fact that you have all this talent on your side of the ball. You're an offensive guy, and you're struggling to get the most out of those guys. I think that's the largest indictment. And, you, and we have to ask ourselves, what leg does Sirianni have to stand on in these conversations with Harry Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie that are definitely definitely looming. I mean, look, we got to be honest. They're definitely considering a change. And I'm curious to know, in your opinion, how does Nick Sirianni approach these conversations? And how do you think these conversations are going to go in terms of what they expect from him, um, what he would like to do, what, what they want to do, what the future is? How do, just how do you think those conversations are going to get handled going forward? You know, Tone, I know the Eagles' philosophy is pass the score, run the win. And it's a great philosophy. It's, it's what everybody in the NFL does. But if I'm Nick Sirianni, I'm, I'm going in there and I'm telling these guys, look, I did not have enough at running back this year. And remember, you had DeAndre Swift having a 1,000-yard season. But when I'm looking at like the advanced numbers, and people can argue with me all they want here, when you are dead last in yards after contact, the last seven games, they go, well, that's Jalen Hurts. That's a tush push. No, it's a little more than that. It's – DeAndre Swift, the game Gamewell got hit and they went down. That, you know, and by the way, you were third in yards before contact. So you're getting the holes. Someone's not hitting them. Maybe mm. they need a more straight line runner there. And again, I, I still think I, I, DeAndre Swift should be back. I just don't know if they're going to do that because that's just not their MO. So I would like to just see someone paired better with DeAndre Swift going forward. With this team, oh, by the way, you didn't give him the ball enough in the passing game here. I know he had four catches, but they were in garbage time. So I just did not like what was there at running back all season long, and it bit them. I, I think this is a team that I, I think Nick needs good running backs to for his offense to work. And when you can't run the ball, you can't do anything. So it, it, that's just my non-watching film, just watching all the games, just seeing what I'm seeing when I'm watching the offensive line type thing. And, you know, with the numbers to back it up, it, it's unfortunate, Tone. Mm. Jeff, let me go to the defensive side. How concerned should we be with Jordan Davis and Nolan Smith? I'll ask you about those two guys specifically. You're talking about two first-rounders, two guys both out of Georgia. Uh, Jordan Davis flashed early, very, very quiet late. Nothing really all season from Nolan Smith. What's the concern level there with those guys? Yeah, Nolan Smith I'm not concerned about because, you know, most rookie DNs, they don't make much of an impact. I mean, look, look at Brandon Graham. We were probably having this conversation about Brandon Graham back in 2010, and look how he turned out. And I thought Nolan Smith played really well in the playoff game, by the way. I I, I have nothing nothing but good things to say about all those edge rushers in that playoff game. They, they showed up. Um, some of the defensive tackles did too, obviously, Fletcher Cox and Mellon Williams. But, yeah, I am a little concerned about Jordan Davis. But, again, I like Jordan Davis the player. I think Jordan Davis, the player, it's going to take some time for him to get better. I just think we're going to look at this pick down the line when we see what Kyle Hamilton's doing in Baltimore. By the way, I'm going to be in Baltimore on Saturday, so I'll get to watch him firsthand for the first time since college. And you got a difference maker at safety. 
you don't have a difference maker in safety in Philadelphia, and you probably just had not a run the mill defensive tackle, but just a guy. And is just the guy good enough? Can that just the mm. guy replace Fletcher Cox? Can he help out Jalen Carter? That's what I'm concerned about. You know, that's and that's the thing. They have a lot of decisions looming just on not just with the coaching staff, but also the roster. Uh, you know, I was I was looking at some guys that they that they could potentially lose over the next couple seasons. Hassan Reddick is coming up. Josh Sweat is coming up. Um, Avante Maddox, um, his contract is coming up. You know, the, you know, there's a, a Fletcher Cox. Will he come back? What's his future in Philadelphia? Um, they're going to have some contracts that they have to worry about as well. Uh, worry about as well on the, on the rookie side of things. But you know, in, in this in this upcoming offseason, Jeff, where do you think or how do you think they will approach it? Um, do you think um, they're waiting to figure out what their first move will be after they figure out? The coaching situation because if you bring in a new head coach obviously the philosophy's changed so um just how, how do you think they're going to approach trying to retool reload or even rebuild this defense i think they should blow it up but what do you think well i i think you have to blow it up right tone i mean when you're 30th or lower in pretty much every major statistical category since week nine i i think that justifies blowing it up but look I wouldn't get rid of a brandon graham i you know fletcher cox is going to be tough depends on the contract i mean i i know cox has even thought about retirement uh, you know, not so we'll see. But I, I mean, I don't think he's going to. I think he's been too productive of a player to do that. I, I would bring him back, honestly. I think he's a good leader for them. I, I same with Brandon Graham. A lot of the younger guys respect these two, and I, I think that's huge for a locker room going forward. So I bring them back. Um, you know, it, really anybody in the core four, I, I, I think they should come back. You know, if Jason Kelsey wants to come back, obviously you let. Um, you know, BG wants to be here for year fifteen. Lem had he was productive this year for how limited they played him, but yeah, I agree. You need to, you definitely need to revamp linebacker. You need to revamp cornerback. You need to revamp safety, uh, defensive tackle. I think you have what you have. Which there's nothing wrong with that. You bring, you bring by Fletcher Cox. I, I think you'll live with him, Milton Williams, Jalen Carter, and Jordan Davis, right? Because it, you have to assume Carter's going to get better, and I would assume Davis is going to get better, even though he faded the second half of the year. But everything else, I think, is fair game at this point. Jeff, let me ask you uh, about the hiring. If Nick Sirianni is shown the door, would they step out of character and hire a coach with previous NFL head coaching experience? <laughs> you know, the last time they did that, it was Joe Kuharjik, right? <laughs> yeah, which means it's been a real friggin' long time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it has. And you know what? That that didn't work out too well, as no, we all know. far from it. My my yeah, um, uh, my father growing up would use that name in in vain like a curse word, Kuharik. So, yeah. You know, you know, my theory on the whole snowballs at Santa Claus thing was because they they were trying to throw a Joe Kuharik and they missed. Yes, Joe must go. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe must go. So I mean, yeah, it would be out of character for them. Um, you know, they they always seem to go for these under the radar type hires, and the guy I I, I like a lot is Bobby Slowick. Um, I don't know I don't know if he's considered under the radar anymore because of what he did with CJ Stroud. <laughs> that offense this year, but it would be nice to have an offense coordinator or, I mean, sorry, a head coach that can get his receivers some separation, which you think, which you thought Nick Sirianni was able to do be, coming from a receiver background himself. But look at what Slowick did with Brock Purdy, with C.J. Stroud now. I mean, what can he do with a guy like Jalen Hurts? Possibilities are endless, but if there was a year to get one of these quote-unquote retread head coaches, that would be the time. I mean, I'm not saying Bill Belichick or Mike Vrabel here, but – why not give Jim Harbaugh a call? Although I will say this. My only issue with Jim Harbaugh is, and it really goes under the rug because he bolted, 
Who did he really draft that was an impact player on the 49ers until Kyle Shanahan got there? Mm. I'd have to really go back and dig into it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I have to look at that. I've argued with people about him. But like, I think he but he wouldn't be drafting, question, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. He wouldn't be drafting, so that would be the key too. He'd be a football coach. But yeah, I always t- joke with people. He jumps off the Titanic before it sinks. AKA Michigan, AKA the 49ers. So I, I mean, I, I love him here as a coach personally. I, I love his attitude. I love what he can bring to a locker room. I, I think he's a guy where the message never gets stale. He, he obviously can coach. We see that. I mean, Michigan won the freaking national championship, but Michigan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, th- think about that for a second, but yeah, I mean, it, if you have to go the, the retread, I, I, I don't, I don't even consider him a retread to be honest with you. He's, he hasn't been coaching the NFL for what? almost 10 years now so and mm-hmm. actually it has been 10 years so i i mean that'd be the guy i go with but i, I don't want any parts of belichick to be honest with you I, I just don't think the guy can win without tom brady mm. well and, you know, he, i don't it, i don't know that they would want those kind of guys the, the, who are, yeah. are going to be autonomous but but go ahead, go ahead tell me. no yeah because um I'm, I'm glad you said that rod because here's the thing you know we have one part of we have, we have two sides of this thing, right? We have one people on this side of the line saying that this team will never go against, you know, their philosophy and how they view head coaches and, um, you know, uh, hiring a guy with experience, hiring a guy with a backbone that's going to push back on anything Howie or Jeffrey may say. They're never good. There's people on that side of the line. And then you're then you have people on the opposite side saying, well, look, you've done it your way for X amount of years. Something has to give. They Something has to change. Somebody has to step out of character. Someone has to someone has to you know shake it up in some ways in some shape way or form and i'm always battling between those two things because as a fan of the team i want to remain optimistic but also just understanding how they've done business for the past decades it's kind of hard for me to bet on them going against the grain and bringing in a guy like Vrabel or um a pete carroll or whoever who, uh, whoever you want to name a guy with any kind of ilk or status um, what 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 level of confidence do you have, Jeff, in this organization and Jeffrey Lurie in particular, being able to pivot from what they've done, especially when it's yielded two Super Bowl appearances and one Super Bowl win in six years? How confident do you think they are in changing their process? <laughs> it, it all depends on the quarterback thinks, right? Um, you know, but even then, they have full faith in Carson Wentz and. He didn't want to be here, you know, <laughs> so it, it's tough, right? Um, this is what makes it difficult for me with this is why I never can speculate with them because they, they always could do the opposite of what you think they're going to do. But you also have to look at it is they just don't hire retreads. They don't, um, you know. Pete Carroll, I, I mean, I know Pete Carroll wants to coach again. I mean, I'm sure they'd love to interview. I mean, they almost did hire Josh McDaniels. We, we should put that out there, but they were late in the hiring process too. I, I just think they're going to go for a first-time guy, a guy that not necessarily they can control. I, I think that's the word people like to use, but I think it's a guy that isn't going to step on their toes. I mean, I, I just don't think they're going to change their thinking because in their mindset – we went to two Super Bowls in five years. We're the only franchise to change the head coach, change the quarterback, and go to go to a Super Bowl in a five-year stretch. And I think they know they can build it up as quickly as it can get torn down if, as long as they find the right guy. And you really do have to trust them with who they hired. They got Andy Reid right. Early Chip Kelly was right until everything. It wasn't. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it all wasn't. Uh, Doug Peterson was right. <laughs> you know, he won a Super Bowl. <laughs> Nick Sirianni was right. He's the highest win percentage in Eagles history. But, you know, it's they definitely have an interesting process of how they pick a head coach. But but real quick, if I could follow up, Rob, I think that's the confusing part, right? Um, I know you don't want to use the word control, but then when you say they don't want anyone that's going to step on their toes, there's some level of control there. You want to keep this person at a certain point so they don't have but so much influence in certain areas. I mean, I think that's been kind of the downfall of this organization. They've, they've been so lockstep with their process. Um, they, they're, they're missing the one simple fact that they're not really football guys. And you have guys in suits making football decisions. Granted, they've, they have experience with this team for 30 years, like Jeffrey Lurie and Howie. He's been here since the early 2000s, started low and grinded his way up. But, we clearly at this point know Harry Roseman's limitations when it comes to roster building and dealing with the contracts. We know that's his strength, but he has limitations. And even before Roseman, look at the positions that are weak. Like, right. I mean, Robin, I can tell you in 2002, they just decided, that, see a Jeremiah Trotter, we're going to go with Barry Gardner and we're going to sign the Von Kirkland off the it's street. And, yeah. That's uh, what I'm, by the way, I'm saying. Yeah. They but, have to change how they view it. I got to get this off my chest, too. No, no, please, no, no. Cook, Jeff, please cook. I need you to cook. I got so tired of social media saying, I will never forgive the Philadelphia Eagles for making what could be Jason Kelsey's last game. I'm like, yeah, okay. Try being at the 2003 NFC Championship game at the vet and then come talk to me. They they literally, they they let Tampa Bay close down a stadium for them. So I I digress. I (laughs) know. I hear you. I hear you. So uh, let me ask you just to pick up on the, the, the philosophy thing. In your estimation, do you think they just view this as a one-off that it would things went south? It was you were coming off a Super Bowl. Everybody seems to have a rough year coming off a Super Bowl, and nothing to see here. Everything's fine. Or do you think yeah. they they take a little bit more heart and say maybe we need to look at things a little bit deeper deeper here that we're doing? So this was a good point that was brought up to me from a bunch of Tampa Bay writers. I'm, I'm friends with a lot of people in the Tampa Bay market, and they were talking about how Tampa Bay was just blowing out the Eagles. And they're like, you ever think maybe the Eagles are just tired because they played all those games last year? Remember, they played 20 games last season. They played the second most games in the NFL over the last two years. The Chiefs played the most. Mm -hmm. And the Chiefs are still going. And and the Chiefs are rarity, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard for, especially in the NFC, for teams to go back to the Super Bowl the year after they lose it. I don't think it's been done since the Vikings in the 70s. So, Maybe that's just it. And I felt that too, just being in the locker room this year. Some of the guys were just tired. Like it's a long season. It's a long process. And I think Nick does, Nick tried to do as much as he could to preserve that. But if you keep losing, like, what are you supposed to do? Mm. So maybe guys just got worn out. I I mean, I I think this year could be a blip on the radar. I I mean, there are going to be changes. I still think they're going to be a good football team. They're going to compete in the NFC East next year because they do have the quarterback and they do have the key players. I I just really want to know all the stuff I've been hearing from team sources and stuff like that. You know, what actually comes out this all season. Do do you think Nick survives here? What's your sense here? I'll go 50, 50. Um, okay. I, I, I honestly think you got to have that conversation just based on how he wasn't able to get them out of it. And this was supposed to be a Super Bowl team this year, Super Bowl team, Super Bowl expectations. And even when they were 10 and one, I, I think we all knew they weren't as good as a 10 and one team. But look, when you were up two games in the NFC, you were up two games in the division, you ended up losing both by a game and bowing out of the playoffs to a clearly inferior football team. And that's what I was told by Tampa Bay writers. That was a clearly, 
clearly inferior football team they lost to, you have to consider it. And and, and I think that's where I am, right? It's when you couple every mishap that's happened and you have Nick Sirianni screaming at the mountaintop that this is his offense and your offense failed to show up in that playoff game, you know, as bad as even though the defense gave up 32 points, there was a stretch in that game where the defense stringed together about two or three stops and the offense couldn't do anything with it. That that game the, ended when Jalen Hurts took safety. That safety. Agreed. That, per, that's what I, I said. That, that's it. That's it. That, that, that's the, the game right there. The moment he took that safety, I'll be honest with you guys. The moment he took that safety, I turned the game off. That was when I knew that game was lost because they, I didn't even trust them to get in position for a field goal. That's how bad they were. So, you know, you look at Nick Sirianni and you say, and you say to yourself, how can he answer for this? How can they allow this man to stay here knowing how bad they looked? Yeah, maybe they were tired, but that just looked so uncharacteristic. But would you guys live, would you guys live with this if they told Nick, we're picking your coordinators? Would would we live with it? Um, yeah. As in, as in, would I be okay with them making that decision? Or? I would. Yeah, yeah, yes. Because yeah. remember, Nick picked these guys this year, and you saw the result. Yeah, I say, hey, And Nick didn't pick Shane or Gannon, did he? He didn't pick Gannon. Um, I, I, I don't think he picked Shane. I think John McMullen would know that firsthand, but it did help Nick and Shane have that previous relationship. Same with him and Gannon. But they, they definitely oh. – the front office definitely picked Gannon. Okay, I think I would be okay, but I don't. You know, this is where I'm torn, Jeff, because as the head coach, you're the, you're supposed to be the the main voice, and when the main voice is no longer resonating, how do I justify bringing you back under any circumstance? And that's the scary part for me. I think the Eagles are playing with fire here. If they fire him, and they pick a head coach, if you don't pick one of those power four guys we mentioned. You're going to have to justify that to the players and to the fan base. Well, if what, you what do, I wouldn't like, it, yeah, um, what I wouldn't like, Tone, yeah. is every day next year, he's going to be on the hot seat. And every that's what I, I'm, I'm not ready day. for that. I'm, I'm personally not ready for that. I would much rather and, deal and with the fans new coach. are just going to be waiting to pounce. Like you're going to have national pundits doing the hot seat thing, and every every mistake he makes, yeah. see, you should have fired him. It's going to be like the, that. The, think of what's going on in Dallas right now, right? Yeah. I still say the Cowboys were really they were a really good football team this year, and I stood by that. But I said this team is going to get judged in January because that's when they should be judged, and they laid an egg, an absolute egg against Green Bay. And can you imagine Mike McCarthy all the pressure he's going under, no matter how many. I, I, in a way, I feel bad for Dak, too, because Dak feels that pressure every single day. It is not good for an organization when the owner just talks and talks and talks every single day saying they're going to the Super Bowl. They're doing this. We're, we're the NFC's chance. We're, you know, no wonder why the guy chokes in the playoffs, if you want to be honest. Mm. Yeah, I know. I, I think you make a good point. All right, so. If there is a decision, I think one way or the other, they're they're either going to say something or put something out through somebody. So something will happen. How soon do we know here? (laughs) We're at Wednesday, Jeff, because there are a lot of candidates out there that could be, you know, grabbed up. Latest Friday? I I would say latest. I would say latest Friday. I I definitely think there's going to be something going on at least by the end of the week. Yeah. And and real quick, if I can squeeze this in, if you're Nick Sirianni, and you go into those meetings, and they t- and they tell you, "Well, we're picking your entire staff." 
how confident are you in your role to begin with? And at that point, are you even the head coach? Are you just a, a face in a high place? I mean, it's it's so many intricacies surrounding this move. Um, Mike Silski, you know, laid it out best. I think Rob said it as well. They are legitimately at a crossroads that can completely change <laughs> the trajectory of the of their organization for the next five, 10, maybe 15 years. They are. This is going to be the biggest decision that Jeffrey Lurie has ever made. Bigger than replacing Howie Roseman for Chip Kelly. Bigger than going with Doug. Bigger than going with Andy, right? Because you were at the lowest of the low when you hired Andy. So this is huge because this is a team that I still think can compete for a Super Bowl next season. They have the pieces in place, at least the core guys. But they got to change some stuff up. And yeah, this is going to be the biggest decision, whether he decides to keep Nick Sirianni and pick his coordinators or get rid of Nick Sirianni and have a new voice in there. But I'll tell you what, if this job opens up, I don't care what anybody says. It's a damn good, attractive job for a lot of these candidates that they're all going to be wanting Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman interviewing. Jeff, well said. Uh, well done, as always. Always and, great conversation, Jeff. Always yeah, great. Yeah. Always tell everybody, man, uh, at Jeff Kerr CBS on Twitter and CBSSports.com is where you can check out uh, Jeff's work. Jeff, always fun, man. Thanks for giving us a couple minutes today. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, absolutely. You. Uh, you know, I, I keep joking shit's going to hit the fan, but we'll see you in about <laughs> half an hour. <laughs> yeah. no, it's up. coming. It's coming, it's coming, man. It's coming, Jeff. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> Sounds great. Thanks, guys. All right, you got it. That is Jeff Kerr of CBS Sports. All right, Tone, let's get a quick one in here. We'll come back yeah. and continue with the Eagles. We're two for two, Rob. We're two for yeah. two. We're we having are. some great conversations today. Yeah, I don't are, know man. if it's because I took my vitamins. I don't know what's going on, <laughs> but we're having some, we're having some great football talk today. Whether uh, if it's under terrible circumstances, I think what we're having here is some real critical thinking level conversations. Yeah, uh, I, I don't, I don't I know. Agree. What do you think? I think it's real talk. And I think what we're doing here is really trying to examine what what are the issues that have led to this and what needs to be done to fix this is kind of where I'm at with this. And we'll keep it rolling, man. We will keep it rolling when we come back talking Eagles. We'll mix in a little Sixers because they did beat the uh, the defending champs last night. And JoJo keeps going off, keeps going off. So we'll get into all those kind of things uh, when we come back. Don't go anywhere. That's Tone to Shields. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. Right back. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won... We went straight to Broad Street, and uh, everybody was going nuts over there, and it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. 
If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Final segment of the show. Don't just shield Rob Ellis hang with you on this Wednesday. Hey, we uh we interviewed Mike Sealski and Jeff Kerr. A lot of Eagles content there. If you missed any of it, you can always go to jacobsports.com or Jacob Sports YouTube channel and go back and watch not only those segments, but any segment. So definitely uh, those are some great conversations we had today, especially uh through some turbulent circumstances. But overall, um I think we kind of set the table for how this offseason could potentially go, and especially over the next few days. Um, Eagles fans, I think you listen to those two conversations, it'll set you right up for you know for what you could be walking into. Um, yeah. whether whether it's with with Nick Sirianni or whether it's with someone else. So I definitely advise you guys to double back and listen to those conversations with uh Sealski and our guy Jeff Kerr. Yeah, and, and just to circle back to what we were saying at the end with Jeff there, like they can't afford to wait real long here. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there's too many qualified not only not only the big name guys like the Belichicks, but also the really quality assistant coaches. It's too many out there right now uh, for you to be kind of dragging your feet. You know, it, it's, it's hard. I get it. I know you talk about someone who's been to the playoffs all three years they've been here and been to a Super Bowl last season. I don't think they take this lightly. I don't think this is any kind of knee jerk thing. I think mm-hmm. it's a, it's, it's a very difficult decision for the organization if they're making a move on Nick Sirianni. It really is. And, yeah. and, 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 you know, vice versa. It's, it's a very difficult thing that you better be sure that he is the man to lead you forward here. If you decide to keep him. I don't envy Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie with this at all. 
Yeah, you, know, you know, sometimes tone it's obvious, like it's time, man. Like this yeah, is, like Brandon go. Staley, obvious, obvious, <laughs> uh, beyond obvious. This is not the case. Like this, yeah. I know people are 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 pissed off at Sirianni and the whole situation, and I get it. Believe me, I get it. But th- this is not as cut and dry as some other situations. Right. You know, they are at, they are legitimately at a crossroads, and they have to make the right decision here. And on top of that. Let's say, for the sake of argument, they do decide to get rid of Nick Sirianni. The only way, in my opinion, that you can justify the firing or justify um, whatever whoever you hire is that they they, they got to have some type of tangible experience that the fan base can buy into. I think it's going to be a tough sell to fire Nick Sirianni and, find, and then hire someone else who just, by all estimations, a, could end up being could end up being another puppet you know so this is this is a real turbulent time in philadelphia for the eagles they have a real decision to make and this can shift the trajectory of philadelphia eagles football for the next 5 10 15 years that's how serious they're um that's how next that's how serious these next few days will be yeah and therein lies the crossroads are you willing Mm -hmm. to change things you've you've reached a point in the road where you have to make a decision are you going to just double down Keep doing what you're doing. If you fire Nick, you're going to bring in an offensive mind who mm-hmm. was an assistant somewhere. You're going to you're going to control a lot of this, or it's going to be collaborative. Mm-hmm. Are you going to keep going down that road because you've had a lot of good hires when you've done that and, and immediate success almost? Usually, the second or first year, these guys coach very well and the team does very mm-hmm. well. Or do you say, you know what? For somebody like this, we're willing to to make an exception and do things mm-hmm. a little bit differently and. How he takes a bit of a back seat, which hasn't been the case the last few years. Right. And if and if Sirianni does come back, right? Or if you're even considering him coming back as a, as on as the ownership group as the front office, you have to the first question you have to ask yourself is can he get this train back on the rails? Yes. But then you have to say to yourself, he couldn't get it back on the rails for six straight weeks. No, but this Seven is also weeks. where the player exit interviews are so critical. Right. Like, this is where I'm saying to Jalen, listen, I need you to be real here. Like this is a time where you got to yes. Yeah. yes. Do you this... believe in the direction of the offense under Nick Sirianni? Do you believe in the direction of the team under Nick Sirianni? And if if there's hesitation or it's a no, and I don't just mean with him, but with him, and I, I get a mix of the veterans. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to Kelsey. Hey, Jason, like whatever you decide, we're cool with. But I need you right now to to tell me what's going on here. If you're the ownership group. Yeah. If you're those guys making the decisions, other other than Jalen Hurts, whose opinion, specifically who, whose opinion are you really relying on from a player perspective? Okay. Outside of Jalen Hurts, who are the names of the guys that you're looking at to say, okay, listen, I need your insight here. Do you really trust this guy? My who captains. My, my captains. Who my captains. So I'm going to Fletcher. I think it's Fletcher, Kelsey, Lane Johnson, BG, Jalen. Smitty and AJ. Uh, Smitty and AJ. So I'm going through one of them first. That's where I start. Then I start working my way down to other guys who have been here for a little while and or guys who may pe- have perspective by being coached by somebody else at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're here through Doug. I- I'm-, I'm hitting all those guys up. Then I start getting to the younger guys. Um and it's not just Nick, it's everybody. Like if I'm keeping Nick, I need to know that I have to get rid of, you know, I have to get rid of Brian Johnson or I have to get rid of 
Sean Desire. Got to get rid of Patricia. Or, uh, uh, you know what, my defensive line coach isn't doing a good enough job. Or my receivers coach. I, I don't know, whatever. I'm going through every one of these guys with a fine-tooth comb. Obviously, Nick's the biggest biggest thing right now. And you got you to gotta find that out. And here's the thing. I, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm talking. I, I want to have a, a fair assessment of this. Right. Well, with the, without our feelings, because look, we're, we're, we grew up rooting for this team. Yeah. So I feel like every day you and I are truly challenging our fandom with our true unbiased opinions. Is, is, is that fair to say? Yes. And yes. Um, do you really think, and again, this is what, this is what I need from you, Rob. Mm-hmm. And I'm challenging myself as well. This is where we got to take our fandom out of it. Yeah. Do you really believe Nick Sirianni is a the one to lead Jalen Hurts to where he wants to be, and two, can he really pull this team out of the gutter in which they're in? Do you really believe he has that in him? The answer is no. If he's actually really scheming this up, if he's but if he's taking a bullet for Brian Johnson, who's scheming it and game planning it, then that might be different. But if J if if um if Nick is scheming this, then the answer is no. What I saw. This past year, Tone, was some of the worst coaching I've ever seen in the NFL. This team was so utterly unprepared. For this for this talent level of roster. For this talent level of roster. Okay. Um, teams were telling you what they were doing, and you still didn't stop it. Uh, you had no innovation. You had no creativity. You weren't taking it to them. You were you were on your heels the whole year. Uh, you were doing things that were utterly predictable. Mm. Even, even, even that. You can do things predictable if you execute very well. You weren't executing very well. You had players running into each other. You had players in the same spot on passes. You had players running deep digs on blitzes. You had players on the defensive side of the ball that had no idea what their assignment was. Therefore, guys are wide open. They weren't prepped right during the week. And all of that starts with the head coach. Mm. All of it. That's a good so point. I'm really soured right now on Nick and I can't believe it went from what it was to what it is now. They were they really should have won that Super Bowl. If it wasn't for one just bad mistake, they won a Super Bowl and how do you go from that to this? This is tone I can we can sit here for days and that's the thing I'm not going to be able to figure out. How it looks so different last year than this year with the same head coach. I know you have two new coordinators, but mm-hmm. the same head coach. Yeah, um, it, it, it just only only way I can make sense of it is Nick Sirianni was a product of Shane Steichen. Yes, clearly. Yep, yep. Steichen cool. won, had one of the all time coordinator seasons anybody's ever had last year, and the year before for that. And matter. he turned Jalen Hurts to an MVP candidate. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he leaves, and then they fall off this bad. You know what's funny? Typically, you see a progression year by year, but this this was a complete plummet. Here's what's funny. Because people were so caught up in how much they hated Jonathan Gannon, that got all the headlines. It got all the headlines. Shane Steichen leaving was like, all right, Shane's leaving, but the offense will be fine. And it's like we definitely, nope. you know what? You're right. A lot of people, a lot of people really were saying, oh, they'll be all right. Same yeah. scheme. Like he That's... got respect, but it was just sort of like, yeah, all right. You know, they're still loaded on that side of the ball. And Brian Johnson's yeah. been here. Everything's fine there. And we undervalue Shane. We undervalue time. Shane big time. Yeah. Big but, time. Right, but how could we have known it was yeah, there's to no this way degree. we could have known. There's no way. Yeah. They, they, they were clicking uh, on here, all cylinders. Here's what I'd like to know. I'd mm. love to hear from a player. And I just say to him, Hey, let me ask you a question. Jason Kelsey. Jason, let me ask you a question. 
did you have any idea that the impact of losing Steichen would be this to this degree? I really be curious that the players behind the scenes weren't like, Oh shit. He's dude. Steichen's not here anymore, man. Like, I wonder if there was any of that like foreboding leading into the season. I'm curious how much confidence Jalen had in Sirianni when Steichen left. I'm curious to know when Steichen left, what was Jalen Hurts' instant reaction? Yeah. Because Nick Sirianni hasn't changed. He's the same person. Yeah. So I'm curious to know the how was the what was the dynamic when Shane was there with between Jalen and Nick and all those kind of guys. And then when Shane leaves, how does this team view Nick now? Like, I'm very curious to know what their thought process was when that whole thing went down. Yeah. I, I'd be curious, too. Like, again, true serum. For, uh, this time it's going to be Jalen Hurts. Jalen, I know you have an unbelievable amount of respect for Brian Johnson, and you go back forever with him. Was he a good coordinator for you? Yo, listen, uh, sidebar, I think people – what if people got it all wrong, right? They're not that tight. Jalen, Jalen Hurts and Brian Johnson's relationship. Remember, Brian Jalen Hurts' dad coached Brian Johnson. Right. He's a kid in his high school. So, I mean, it wasn't like Brian was Yeah, they weren't coaching. They weren't in high school together being right, boys. Right, 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 yeah. right. So, it's like, what if people completely missed the boat or have been overestimating or overvaluing What if it was more almost coincidental? Like, in other words, yeah, our paths definitely crossed and we were come from the same area and all that. But, like... You guys are going way overboard no. with this, too. Maybe. Right, right. Because, again, he has not gone out his way to endorse anybody on that offensive staff. He's, he and I don't it. know. that, And maybe that's just him. You know, he's never going to be effusive in praise for any. I don't know. He's a hard no. nut to crack, man. It's that, That's true. But when, when Shane was here last year, I remember Jalen indicating his trust level in Shane. I remember him doing that quite a yeah. few times this yeah. year. It seemed like he's been very measured in how he talks about his staff. If you're a quarterback, I don't care what kind of communicator you are. If you like your staff, you're going to say you like your staff. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> uh, you're me. right, man. I don't know. I mean, I, but I also think too, Jalen is, is certainly aware enough, smart enough to know like, Hey, I like him. I like Brian Johnson as a guy. He's a good dude. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I'll always, we're back in Houston together, whatever. We'll, we'll get together. He's not a great coach. Like, this isn't working for me. And as long as he's here, he's going to hamstring me. So maybe he doesn't put the fight up that we're all thinking. You know, maybe if they decide to keep Nick and they approach him and say, hey, we're just letting you know. We're 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 making a move here. Um, and we didn't want you hearing it secondhand, but mm-hmm. we're doing it. We're not asking, you know, we're, we're letting you know out of respect, but we're making a move because we think we really need to change things. Maybe he doesn't sit there and, you know, protest. Yeah. I mean, again, he made it very clear that, uh, you know, he has faith in every coach, you know, he didn't specify Nick or anybody. So yeah, man, we're going to see how this thing plays up. I want, you know, before we get out of here though, I definitely want to touch on the Sixers though. Cause that was a hell of a game yeah. last night. Right. Yeah. Let's that do was it. A fun so, game. All right. So, Sixers beat the Nuggets, you know, not insignificant. You're talking about the NBA champions, defending champs, 126-121. This was a game where defense did not need to, uh, you know, apply. It was it was just one of those back and forth, up and down games. It's just fine, tracking. So the Sixers go to 26-13, and 13, but let's think about this. So in B, they're 23-6 and six when Joel Embiid plays. 
That's a pretty dominant record right there, right? Um, he goes for 41, 10, and 7. He does it on mm. 13 of 22, 3 of 6 from 3, and he got to the line 15 times last night. Now, Joker did his thing, too. It's not like he didn't show up. But Embiid has been so dominant this year, Tone. And it's a lost a little bit because we're all obsessed with the Eagles right now. It's lost a little bit because everybody's saying, I don't care what you do in the regular season. At least there's people that say that. But he's he's an unstoppable force. He may not win the MVP because he's going to miss too many games, but there's no doubt who the most dominant player is in the league. It's Joel Embiid. You know what I love about that matchup the most last night? I feel like he was I feel like he was trying to take it to Jokic the way Jokic takes to everyone else. And what I mean by that is you saw Embiid the 10 assists, you know, the boards, you know what I mean? Being a dominant force on the scoring end. It yeah. just seemed like Embiid kind of entered that matchup saying, okay, y'all think he's better than me because he can do X, Y, and Z. Okay, let me show you what I can do. And, um, you know, Jokic only had three assists last night. Yes. And in my opinion, I think they're at their best when Jokic is flirting around 8, 9, 10, 11 assists. When he doesn't have the assist, that, in my opinion. Yeah, the Jokic, assist total was, total was low for him. Yeah, yeah. in my opinion, when Nikola Jokic doesn't have the high assist, that means their offense isn't, isn't flowing as efficiently as they would like. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, Jamal Murray had 10 assists. Um, but that's another thing about this matchup that I really like. Everybody was pretty healthy. You saw everybody, you saw everybody's top guys going against their top guys, and the Sixers edged them out. Tobias Harris had a spectacular game. He was lights out. Um, Got to give credit to... Uh, to uh, Marcus Morris, he had one of the most clutch threes in the night, and it's and it pretty much set them up for like a 10-0 run, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So overall, fun game. I was watching it at the gym last night when I was working out, and man, um, I'm just all, all the guys showed up. Maxi and B Harris. That's what you need to see. Yeah, it was it was it was a fun like back and forth kind of you know game uh, for sure. But um. I'll I'll just say it again. I get it. People aren't going to watch because they they're they got this thing with the Sixers where it's Shit, like I'm watching this year. They're fun this year. Well, right, and that's they're where fun. I'm going. Like you, you're missing a good time. Don't, hey, you know, don't go to the party. But I'm just telling you, the party's pretty good. You know, it, yeah. it, it's, it's fun. I so. love that sequence. Patrick Beverly got the block. Got the oh. uh, got the board. Pushed it up. He, he did. He did a nice job offensively for them early. Too. Yeah. Set, uh, set up Marcus Morris for that mm-hmm. for that. That, that that three was huge. Yeah, that three he made was huge. Um, and it actually was a four point play, wasn't it? Yes. So, yeah, man. Um, if Tobias can keep up this low, there was a point in that game. I think it was it the third or the fourth where I think they were feeding Tobias and he was getting whatever he wanted. How about him? You don't you rarely see him finish a lob, <laughs> and he did last night. Oh man, you're right. So and then Nicholas Batum, timely shooting. He's just um, smart. He's such a smart yeah, basketball player. Such a smart basketball player. Uh, and also what makes this game even more interesting, you saw both teams, they only went they only went nine deep. Both rosters went nine deep. They made it a point. So you 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 were able to see uh, the, the, the Nuggets' best nine against the Sixers' best nine, mm-hmm. and the Sixers did win the game. Um, look, this bodes well for the Sixers in the long run because net, you, you see that they can compete and they can beat anybody when they're on their A game and when mm-hmm. John Lebeat is there. Yeah. You know, so um how far this team goes in the playoffs, it all remains to be it all remains to be seen. But right now, um, I think people have a right to be optimistic about the Sixers team. Oh, I, I, you absolutely do. And I, I think in lo- obviously in Bede, but in very lo- and Maxi, but in very large part, because you have a really good coach. I'm telling you, man. And and if there's anything 
that you want to hang your hat on in the playoffs to say, well, why is it going to be different? And I agree with the, the messenger two one five. Tobias Harris is huge for this team. He's got. I agree. I agree. If, if if Tobias Harris, if he becomes a legit threat, I think the Sixers are should be considered favorites to get to the you know to get to the finals or at least get to an Eastern Conference championship. I, I I think Tobias is the is a player that he if he is dominant or at least aggressive, I can live with the results. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, if he's if he's if he's hitting, that team is hard to defend. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, but I think I just think Nurse could be a difference maker in one of these series, whereas yes. Doc wasn't. But we'll you know we'll see. All right, agree. Uh, a lot of fun today, uh, Tone. So great uh, show, Ari. I'm yeah, grateful for you, my friend. Fa- great job, man. Uh, thanks to everybody in the chat, uh, everybody streaming, and everybody listening as always. But don't go anywhere. You have the National Football Show with Dan Cilio and Tone coming your way, and again. Anything comes down, you know, today. I mean, we got we still early. Anything comes down today, certainly they will have it for you, and we will have it for you tomorrow. We'll react to everything that comes down tomorrow uh, and or Friday. So we got you covered uh, any way you slice it. So don't go anywhere. All right, for Tone, I'm Rob. Appreciate everybody. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and we will see you guys tomorrow, same time, same channel. Appreciate it. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.